Back together in person, episode 176, Super Bowl 56, Hot Shots. Yes, sir. Hot Shot loves divisional championship weekend. I've been saying it for two years now. No, I'm not uh, saying that. But it was awesome. <laughs> Are you getting your money's worth? Or what? On these games? They weren't as good as last week's games, but they were really good. Really good. I mean, you really had good. ties Better in the, the fourth quarter. You know, the first week's games were terrible. Your, your weekend, it was terrible. I know. And then last week was really good. Yeah. And then this past weekend, championship week, you had... The Bengals in the early game costing me money. (laughs) 21-3 down. Bet against Joe. In Kansas City. The Chiefs have the home field. They've got the momentum. They've got the 18-point lead. Yeah. And they can't hold on. And Patrick Mahomes just becomes like like a like an ordinary quarterback in the second half of that game. Making mistakes. I mean, the one mistake probably should have cost him the game was that third down play at the end of regulation where they had like a 27-yard field goal lined up and he goes back and he loses like, he doesn't throw the ball away, he doesn't yeah. throw it out of the end zone and he loses like 17 yards and makes it. The, the kicker had to be saying, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> right. I had a 27-yarder. <laughs> now you're making me kick a 44-yarder. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I, I, it was third down. I'm, I'm sitting there. By the way, today I was assessing the 2022 Issaquah Major softball participants participants with my master assessing skills so I'm, I'm kind of watching the, the game on my phone but I said it's third down and I, I said that, that there's no way that that magical Patrick doesn't pick this up like I just thought he would do something special and he'd get the first man he just gets sacked and what are you talking about the third down where you need to score a touchdown yeah that one yeah I just yeah. thought well this is this is what he does well at some point I mean it was like just, a 12 it was like a 15 second play yeah at some point as he's going backwards like Fran Tarkington yeah <laughs> Did it ever occur to him that, hey, I'm doing my field goal kicker no favors right now. Let me throw this ball into the fourth deck or into the fourth row right. behind the end zone so that the guy can kick a 27-yard field goal. We go. I mean, if they, if they had missed that field goal. Oh, I know. If the Kansas Butker, if Butker had missed that field goal from like 43 yards, I don't know that Patrick Mahomes would have ever heard the end of it. Yeah. Making that field goal so long by just holding the ball and going backwards. Ridiculous. These guys are so competitive. They just, they want to make something happen. They've yes. always made their whole lives. Yes. Yes. At 12 years old, they could do it. At 14, their whole lives, they could make things. Look at, look at the end of your, your buddy, uh, 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 Garoppolo uh, at, the, at the end of that game, uh-huh. trying to make something happen. Terrible. If he doesn't, if he just goes down, well, but they're so competitive. They yeah. don't, they don't think like we do. So Rams minus four in Super Bowl Fifty Six over under fifty. What do you think? Rams minus four, Bengals plus four over under fifty. What do you think? I'm taking the Bengals. I think everybody's going to take the Bengals. Yeah. Why not four? Four. Yeah. You think that that line might move lower? I think it will as we get closer and closer to game time. I mean, how many times are we going to bet against Joe Burrow? And he's just going to continue to just, you know, prove us wrong. Are you going to bet against him again? I mean, how can you at this the point? The whole world's rooting for him. I, exactly right. I Don't mean, you think? It, who's rooting for the Rams? Los Angeles isn't even rooting for the Rams. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I said on Twitter, they scored a touchdown and half the stadium's going crazy. I mean, it was like half full with, with, with Rams fans. I think, that. I think everybody's rooting for the Bengals. Yeah. Everybody's rooting for Joe Burrow. Yeah. The upstart Bengals. They're the, you know, they're the underdogs they shouldn't be i mean they're, the, they're only a four-point underdog but just overall they're they just kind of an underdog they've been bad story. forever oh yeah what yeah. about aj green leaving for uh greener pastures to try yeah. to go win one at the yeah. end of his career yeah poor fella <laughs> now he's watching his team and his old team in the super bowl yeah i love those kinds of storylines yeah. yeah but if i didn't hate the rams that's a cool story too for hey, them how, how many issaquah eagles are playing in the super bowl how many issaquah eagles how many issaquah eagles 
have ever played in a Super Bowl? Has there ever been a former Issaquah Eagle that's played in the Super Bowl? Because the Newport Knights have Drew Sample, who's going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> really? There's going to be a Newport Knight <laughs> really? in Super Bowl 56. Dr. Dre's wife's playing? No. Oh, oh. Drew Sample. Unreal. From Newport to the University of Washington and from Washington to the NFL. Wow. Now with the Cincinnati Bengals and with the injury to the Bengals' number one tight end. Yeah. He's going to get some extended playing time. A Newport Knight is going to be playing <laughs> in uh, Super Bowl 56. I want to know how many Issaquah Indians or Issaquah yeah. Eagles have ever played in a Super Bowl. Wow. Couldn't have ever happened. I don't think it's Couldn't happened. Have, there can't be. I think the best. We would know if there was ever an Issaquah Eagle in the Super Bowl. Yeah, there was an NFL lineman named Brett Weesey. He played maybe a couple years in the NFL with the Patriots, but I don't think he ever made it to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think any. No. But I I, I think. How many Bellevue Wolverines have played? Some. Have there there been Bellevue Wolverines in the Super Bowl? I'm sure there had to have been, right? Yeah, I don't know about the, uh, the Super Bowl now. We're talking Newport night level now. Yeah. The Super Bowl. Has Miles Jack, where's... Yeah, he's in Jacksonville. Has he been there the whole time, Jacksonville? Yeah, he's okay, not so been forget in the Super Bowl. Him. <laughs> yeah, he's and, not been And uh, Buda Baker's yeah. never been in the Super Bowl. But I'm sure there's other... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there Has is. Has Softy ever played in a Super Bowl? No, I don't or? think Softy's ever played in a Super Bowl. He hasn't. Okay. That's no. the only Bellevue I person so. I know. All right. Anyway. Uh, episode 176. Nice to have Hotshot Scott back here. Thank you. Your buddy Jim Moore pointed out that, you know, Danny O'Neill and Slickhawk are good enough for the... Uh, the, the paid segments, but Hot Shots on the, the old free segments. He put that he, out? Well, he wanted to make sure I, I knew that, <laughs> that people are happy to pay for Danny and Slickhawk, but, oh, Hot Shot, he's for free. If you want I was free, watching, you get Hot Shot. I was watching Jim Moore's Sons the other night. I tried. It was 5-5 and the stream shit out on me. That's some stream. What stream? I was trying to stream the game, and it just I was at the game watching the Moors yeah, against the Newport going. Knights. Yeah. The Issaquah Eagles against the Newport Knights. This was Saturday. Oh, I was talking about Mount Si Issaquah. Yeah, okay, that was so Saturday. Friday. I think that was Friday. It was, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, watching the two the two twins, the two more twins. That's right, yeah. On Issaquah play on on Saturday. Anyway, episode 176 has not officially begun because this is the tease segment. Uh, let's see. Uh, reaction to 175p. A lot of toothpaste reaction to 175p. Now, you're looking at me strange because you haven't listened yeah, to 175p. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. You haven't listened to my conversation, my really uplifting and enlightening <laughs> conversation with Danny O'Neill yeah. about toothpaste okay. and about whether everybody does what I do, which is try everything I possibly can to get the last little bit of toothpaste out of the tube. I just will not give up. Yeah. I'll roll it one way. I'll roll it the other way. And it dawns on me that I've got to, it's just lazy. I have another, there's another toothpaste right here to my right. I don't <laughs> want to open the box and start all over. And I will, I will literally spend 15 minutes trying to get one little one little brush full of toothpaste. Because you know there's a little more in there. I think there's a little more in yeah. there. That, and I thought maybe that I was the only one, but I've gotten a lot of emails saying yeah. I'm not the only one. Oh, I, I'm I'm obsessive over it. Are you? Like, do you do the thing where you, like, pull it down the side of the counter? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Okay, but sometimes the counters are rounded. It's not great. <laughs> but I have the, the drawer in our bathroom. Yes. Oh, it's, it's got a nice sharp oh, edge. Oh, sharp. It is sharp. Yeah. And I put that sucker on there and I pull as hard as I can. Why I can don't just... we just say enough? I know. It's weird. And just go to the next tube. It's stupid. Why do we do this? It's a great question. I have no answer. So everybody does this? I don't know if everyone does, but I know I do. Hey, Mitch, I just heard your toothpaste discussion with Danny. You're not alone. 
I actually get a tad upset when I can no longer prod a little paste out of the tube. <laughs> prod. Uh, Shelly in Tacoma. Dear Mitch, you made my day and week. I thought I was the only one who went to such lengths to get the last drop of toothpaste out of the tube. Misery loves company. So funny. Frank in Bend, Oregon. Hi, Mitch. The toothpaste quandary. Your query regarding why the obsession to capture the last drop from the tube. My theory, we, or at least I, are the cursed remaining members of the post-depression era, or at least our parents were yeah. as such. And of course, we've patterned after their stern admonitions regarding the evils of being wasteful. I just this morning experienced a similarity, having removed the twisted wire from an electric electronics cable, I, of course, stored it with the others that I have saved, along with various rubber bands as well. Oh, boy. Yes, Mitch, it is a curse. I don't like waste, but I also don't like clutter and hoarding. So at some point, those uh, two might cross. Yes, they do. You got to be careful. Yes, they do. <laughs> I, I just the other day, have I, I think I've made a decision. I'm not doing it anymore. Really? I'm going to get to the end. And I'm not going to force the last little, st I'm not mm. going to roll it real tight up one way, roll it up the other. I'm just going to go to the next tube. Move on with your life. Just move on. Yeah. Why do I need to be so obsessive about getting the last little amount of toothpaste out of the tube? Wait, Why? Till, wait till you find a sharp 45 degree angle like I have in my drawer in my bathroom. Oh, oh you <laughs> peel it right down the side of that sucker. Yeah, two or three toothbrushes. Well, you do full. this like this? Well, you just pull it right down. So like here's the edge and then you just kind of pull it down. Yeah. Like start at the bottom. And it pushes it all to the top. Danny O'Neill says he uses a wrench. <laughs> He's really? got a wrench in his bathroom. A wrench. <laughs> he sick. uses a wrench. He's sick. I yeah. thought I was bad. We're all sick. Now, I know you're, you're not a big mayo guy, but you know like when I... When I yes, I am. Oh, you are? I love mayo. Do you do that with... Love like, mayo. When the mayo's done, do you do that too? Do you have to get... Like, I, I take yes. a spatula. Yeah. I literally put a rubber spatula in yeah, there. Yeah, it's get, bad. And again, I don't think it's a cheap thing. It's just a waste thing. Like, you could get more out of it. It just feels wasteful. I, I think it's a lazy thing. What do you mean? You just don't want to go to the new tube of mayo. You just, you, you don't, it, you can just. You, it's that difficult to go to another thing yeah, of mayo? Yeah, I just don't think you want to. I think, think you, it's, <laughs> it's wasteful. So like I, I use heavy cream in my coffee and then yeah. when that runs out, yeah. I'll take a little coffee, I'll dump it in the heavy cream thing and I'll swirl it around. To get all of the cream. All the cream. Because yeah. sometimes it sticks to the sides. It's pretty yeah. thick, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, That's like what I do with dip. And, and salsa, when I'm chips and salsa, yeah. when I pour a little salsa into my ramekin and I dip my chips in the salsa, <laughs> yeah. I get to the point where there's very little salsa left in the ramekin. Now, oh. I could go to the big vat that I got from Costco <laughs> and put a little more in, but I don't. The 55-gallon drum. There's a, little, there's a little remnants of the salsa in the ramekin, but not enough to dip the chip sure. in. There's just a little like bit a at the bottom in the yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah. There's like a little bit in the corner. So what I will do is I will take some chips... I will crunch them up in my hands real small, <laughs> drop them in the ram yeah. and take a spoon mix it and up. mix it and see if I can get a little bit out of the corners, the last bit of salsa. Like the little pieces will pull that salsa That's out right. of the corner. Of course they will. And then I eat the last oh, one with a brilliant. spoon. See, with a spoon. I actually yeah. like that. I Chips think... and salsa with a spoon. It, I, it's just, yeah, it is. a uh, Your person's right. right. It's a waste thing. I, I hate wasting. I love that. Dear Mitch, Mitch and unfiltered contributors been laid up in cold, foggy eastern Washington due to ankle surgery since mid-November. Just wanted to write a shout out of thanks to you and all of your regular contributors the entertainment value of your podcast is top-notch and has made my recovery considerably easier. I enjoy the podcast, 
But there is one thing I have an issue with, and that is the guy sitting across from you. Just wanted to have hotshot crap his pants thinking that I was going to throw a critical zinger his way. Not not really. Keep up the good work, Mike from Walla Walla. Well, heal quickly, Mike from Walla Walla. We're rooting for you. You thought one was coming. Of he course. He, he knew you were going to do that. Well, we've talked about people can't just give a compliment. They, no. they don't have it in them to just yeah. give a compliment and yeah. move on. It's got to be a but. Brian Foster wants to know, Mitch, why do you keep calling the Seahawks 5-12? and 12? And this is kind of weird and interesting i have i have admittedly when i'm like referring to the seahawks season i say like whatever they were five and 12 or whatever they were the truth is they were seven and ten yeah and it's funny because i i must have kind of i mean i've watched every game i've watched every play of every game and i've watched it in many cases over and over again sure i should know the record i am mr playoffs after all after all at least you know him. And yet, I know him. Yeah. And yet, I kind of unconsciously blocked out their record <laughs> once they got to a certain point and they were out of it. I don't know that I huh. ever really paid attention. So the truth is, is when Brian Foster, I, I, I swear, when Brian Foster wrote to me, why do you keep calling the Seahawks 5 and 12? Yeah. I actually went to ESPN.com and to the standings page. I was like, oh, they went 7 and 10. I was like surprised. Yeah. That was a hell of a season. I hope you liked I, I, it. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize <laughs> oh, they went seven Oh, it was fun. You would have liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was a so, great season. I don't know. I I, I guess I blocked. I, I kind of blocked That's it weird. out. That's weird, yeah. Yeah, the good news is the guy that sits across from you every week didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, five and 12. That's that a bad news? year. <laughs> uh, no, it's dear, not. <laughs> dear Mitchell, episode 175 was killer. The interviews were top shelf, all of them. Lenardi is very funny. I like how he takes shots at himself. Cody Pickett was fun and important. I have scheduled my own calcium test for the last week of February. Thank God he got checked and didn't die a young man. Signed, Randall. Nice. There's nothing worse than having to schedule those appointments, but you just got to do it. You got to do it. I, I, I had what I called, it was just like dark Thursday or whatever in November. I went and got everything. The physical, the blood. To, you just, yeah. I just had, I knew it just yeah. one day it's going to suck, but you just, you have to do it, man. Well, the Cody Pickett thing was an important interview. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he's a lucky guy. He's walking around yeah. with 70% blockage, <sighs> not knowing, thinking of, thinking of himself as the most you know, healthy guy runs, runs sure. with his players. An uncle dies. Listen to the interview. An uncle dies, yeah. and he decides maybe I should go to get checked, only to find it was not good. So he's 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 better now. Yeah. And he also reminisced about University of Washington and the three years of starting and the ten thousand yards. And you've always said he's like he's like the most underrated of all the quarterbacks at University of Washington. It's weird. He never gets mentioned never in gets that mentioned. group of great no. Husky quarterbacks. He does not. Somebody owned a horse once at the old uh, Long Acres. No, yeah. it's not called that. What is it called? Emerald Downs. Yes. Called uh, Cody to Reggie. Is I, that right? I always liked that name. Cody to Reggie. You know who else is going to the Super Bowl? Who's that? Jake Browning, I believe. Oh. I think Jake Browning might be like the third string quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Ah. You might have to check me on that. I'm going to look that up right now. But I think Jake Browning is somewhat headed to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. Anyway. All right, that's episode 175. If you haven't heard 175, Lenardi, a very good interview with Lenardi, and then you got Pickett, and you got the story of the guy with the point shaving. I don't know if you've heard that. The point shaving story from the 1990s. Right, yeah, yeah. The Arizona State uh, crazy uh, basketball player who was fixing games so that they could erase his 
gambling debt at ASU. It's almost so stressful because we've all been there with, yeah. you know, not that, but we've all right. gambled and lost right. money. And that, that, that gambling stress is a whole nother level of stress, isn't it? All right, episode 176, here are the guests. Now, you brought to my attention. I think it was you who brought to my attention. Maybe okay. you didn't. I just... Uh, I'm sure I did. I know that you brought this up a couple of times. The now former head coach of the girls' basketball team at Issaquah High School. Correct. Doug Crandall. Now, do you know him personally or not? It's weird. Seems I, like everybody knows him personally. I should. Like, he, he married a woman who is my graduated with my sister, so I, I know his in-laws. I, I know everyone in his life except for him. I don't know how it's somehow right. I, I didn't meet him. Right. So, yeah, we know all the He's been people. in the middle of the news. Yes. He was, maybe you can tell the story. He was, what, suspended like out of nowhere. Out of nowhere out to him. Out of thin yeah. air yep. he was, to him. He was called into the office of like the Issaquah School District, whatever. Yeah. He was the girls' basketball coach, the varsity girls' basketball coach at Issaquah High School, the yeah. Eagles. Yeah, and they're, they're, it's a good program. They're, you know, they're pretty good. They had finished fourth in the state a couple of years yeah. earlier. He's a pretty good coach, or maybe better than a pretty good coach. And all of a sudden, he was suspended. He was told to leave the property, leave this keys. You're suspended. And then they hardly ever got back to him. And his mm-hmm. contract was set to expire in February. And he just sent in a letter of resignation. Yeah. Everybody, there's been a public outcry from his players, his players' parents. Yep. Former players former and Former players. Yeah. He's been on different TV shows and radio shows yeah. in the middle of this kind of this controversy surrounding this high school coach. It's one thing to get suspended, but it's another thing to get suspended and not told why. That was the big thing. He's just right. sitting out there going, well, can you at least tell me what I did? Yeah. And you get nothing. And it's, it's awful. I think he got more than nothing. See, I was of the opinion that he got nothing. Yeah, so was I. Now that I've done the interview, I am no longer of the opinion that he got nothing. Okay. But he didn't get specifics. He didn't get information exactly what he did wrong. Okay. He has, as you'll listen to the interview, and you'll derive your own opinion. Yeah. He tells the story about what happened, what he thinks went went wrong, how disappointed he is, yeah. and where he goes from here. And I'll just lay it out there and let everybody listen to it and make your own make your own assessment. It's it's. I mean, he clearly loves coaching, but this is no gonna, this is going to tarnish him when he tries to get another job. He doesn't think so. Oh, good. You know, it's just whenever you're dealing with minors, like female minors, yes. and you're a man, yes. like, unfortunately, that's where people's head goes when you hear a coach was suspended, right? Something right. inappropriate. Right. So the fact that you didn't really know or people don't really know, it just the whole thing was just There's a GoFundMe page and yeah, everything for legal, for legal yeah. action and everything oh, else. Man, that's rough. So Doug Crandall mysteriously ousted at Issaquah High School, uh, the girls' basketball coach will join us here. He'll be guest number one in episode 176. I look forward to it. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, Kyle Glazer is a national writer for Baseball America. Baseball America just sent out its annual top 100 prospects of 2022. And there's a familiar name right near the top. The number two overall player is a Seattle Mariners organizational player. And he says, you'll hear him talk about the Mariners organization depth, one of the tops in baseball. Really? So we're going to talk about all the great prospects in the Mariners organization. When do pitchers and catchers report? I'm ready. Can't report until they, uh, the work stoppage ends. Oh, gotcha. The strike right now. <laughs> okay. Or work stoppage. Dang and then it. Andy Ide of NHL.com, the local, the local hockey voice uh, that follows the Krakens every step. 
He's going to join us with a general kind of evaluation of where we are midseason of the first ever nice. Seattle Kraken season. Okay, doesn't feel like fan support is really dropping off. It feels like people are still on fire for the Kraken, which is pretty are they? Cool. It at least appears that way. Again, I'm not staring at the numbers, but right. they, they look sold out every time. They are sold out every people game. People on Twitter. They are sold this. out every game. Yeah, people are still. When I turn it. on the game, I see empty seats. Oh, really? Yeah, but they're all they're all sold. Yeah, they're accounted for. Just people. Aren't I, I just maybe some some season ticket holders are not going to every game. Well, slide them my way. I'm happy to take them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Alrighty, Hot Shot, before we begin episode 176, a couple of words about our partners like Zeke's Pizza, the Levy family. We love Zeke's Pizza. We've been ordering it to the house frequently over the last several weeks. Not as much the craft beer, the great craft beer selection, but pizza and salads. Download the Zeke's Pizza app to your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler for Valentine's Day, now two Mondays away but by now, you're not getting a reservation at any of the four locations on actual Monday, Valentine's Day. So why not that Friday or Saturday call now? Remember, Sunday is the Super Bowl, February the 13th. Make your reservations at DanielsBroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, we had 25 winners in the Beat the Boys competition, thanks to John Waterstrat's team. Is there a better time than now to look into a new fireplace for the winner? Garage Doors 2? FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The brand new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage can save you money. One of the nation's premier mortgage companies, Jordan Flowers and his team, killing it. Great refinance opportunities. 425-890-2957. That's Jordan's direct line. 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call. Tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, working together to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. We are ready for episode 176 of Mitch Unfiltered, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. What's worse? Who feels worse? Having a shit season like the Seahawks did or having a really good season being the number one seed and then in your first playoff game at home, you can't beat an underdog team, a wild card team that comes in with Jimmy frickin' Garoppolo throwing for 100 yards. Unfiltered. I don't care who they hire as defensive coordinator. Can we do away with the bend, don't break defense? Can we stop giving up seven and eight yard passing plays on first down and playing and playing 15 yards off of wide receivers? Can we get in somebody's face and send some extra linebackers and corners every once in a while? Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 176 is now officially underway. Hotshot Scott is here in person. Yes. In living color. That's right. You know, I'm a little torn because I, I want to talk a little football with you because yeah. the games were great. Yeah. But you didn't but play. But we kind of already did that. Yeah, but and also you didn't play football. <laughs> so I'm not qualified to I tell don't you. know that you're qualified yeah. to talk about football. Mina Kimes and I. Yeah. We're not qualified to talk about baseball or football or basketball or anything. According to right. Jeff Garcia, you are not qualified to talk about Not just Jeff Garcia. Football. Yeah. How about Digger Phelps? Oh, he said the same thing. Digger Phelps in 1995 wanted to throw me out the Queen City Grill window. <laughs> I remember that. True yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. He looked at me, he said, I will throw you out that window. <laughs> He's probably pretty big, isn't he? Eh, kind of, sort of. He was okay. sort of drunk. Not sort of. I mean... <laughs> 
Okay. I will throw you out that window. Who are you? Mm. Who are you to offer some criticism of a coach? How many games have you coached? Yeah. How many times have you been on a college basketball sidelines? How many games have you won in your career? You're not qualified to offer some sort of criticism. I got that back in 19... 19- yeah. We've been hearing that routine and for a long, long time. <laughs> right. And it was uh, renewed. You're speaking of the Mina Kimes. I am. Uh, are you following it? I am. Yes. Are you? Very closely. Okay. I mean, it's hard not to. It's right in your face. Right. And I, I don't know whether... Is it possible that some people that are listening to this don't know the story? Probably, because it, it, it sort of cracked on Twitter, I think, is where... It, okay. I, I think, didn't Jeff Garcia post it on Instagram? And I don't know. I don't it? know which uh, platforms everybody used. I want to know who's following Jeff Garcia on Instagram. <laughs> That's what I really want to know. I mean, who gives a shit? But anyway. <laughs> well, Mina Kimes is an ESPN NFL analyst who has been given a sizable platform. She's got a huge social media following. Yes. And she said what... Just about everybody else in the NFL world said last week, which is Jimmy G Garoppolo isn't the reason the Niners are winning. They're winning with him, not because of him. He nearly threw two more interceptions against Green Bay. He was trying to give the game away. Essentially, she was taking a you-know-what on Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, like everybody else has been. They're winning despite him. They're winning despite him. Yeah, right. I mean, I got on this podcast Said it for weeks and weeks. The guy threw for 100 yards against Green yeah, Bay. That's like the first thing you said. The Green yeah. Bay Packers. The guy threw for 100 yards and right. nearly threw three interceptions. Not, and they still won the game. It's somehow, not super somewhere. controversial what she said. No. In fact, as I said, I think 98% of the football world agrees with that comment. Right. I think Kyle Shanahan, his coach, yeah. who on third and seven from the 38-yard line in Green Bay where they needed to get a first down, yeah. what did he do? He handed it off, didn't he? He handed it. He, he didn't even <laughs> trust him to throw in that yeah. situation where they needed to get a first down to try the field goal. And then you see why in the Rams game. And then he tries that play at the end of the Rams game. Yeah. yeah. So I, Mina Kimes was not saying anything kind of outlandish yeah. that everybody else hasn't said no, nor, or written. Nor was it X's and O's, meaning it— I it, don't think that's relevant, but okay. You don't? No. Considering he said she never played football, how would you know well, Jeff anything Garcia, about the game? So Jeff Garcia says Very relevant. a pretty good quarterback yeah, for the 49ers. He was in the Pro Bowl a couple of times. Yeah. He was pretty good. I think four Pro Bowls, he said. <laughs> I, I heard him. I, he, he did an interview, which I listened to, and he said four, but who knows? Yeah. So he responded he to Mina Kimes. Who the hell is Mina Kimes, and when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in a game? Never, ever. Has she taken a snap or can truly understand the ability, the mindset, the physical and mental toughness that it takes to play the quarterback position or any position in the NFL? Yeah. The fact that there are people out there given a platform to talk about something that they've never done is hilarious. And that's how you have to look at her. She's a joke. So let's just laugh at her and support Jimmy, root on our Niners to go out and beat the living you-know-what out of one more team that's what it takes. She will never know the feeling. Can I get an amen? Peace. Well, at least he said peace, so it's all forgiven, right? That was that was Jeff Garcia's yeah. reaction to Mina Kimes saying that the 49ers are not winning because of Jimmy Garoppolo. They're just winning with him. Yeah. Not because of him, okay? Yeah. And the reaction of the world has been to just leap at Jeff Gar- Everybody has taken her side. Yeah. All right, wherever you turn in social media, they have taken the side of Mina Kimes and called him out, called him sexist. Every corner of social media, he's gotten skewered. 
And so there's a lot here. There is. There's a lot here. There's what she said. There's what he said. Was it sexist? Was it not sexist? Are we in the right or in the wrong for throwing the sexism thing at him because he took a shot at a female voice on ESPN? And I think that there's even a bigger issue to all of this. Okay. So you start. What What do you think of the whole controversy? Well, he went on a radio show. I don't know if you listened to that or not. No. Some hacky show in San Francisco. Not nearly as good as this. Um, <laughs> and he sort of doubled down on it. I mean, he, he did. He didn't. He didn't backpedal. And they said, "Do Do you want to apologize to her?" He said, "I don't need to apologize to her." But he said he would have said that to anyone who hadn't played football in their life, regardless of whether they're a male, a female, or whatever they identify as. He was just talking about people who haven't played the sport. I don't know that I necessarily agree with him because there's a lot of people who were saying that exact same Millions. thing. He could have gone after anybody. Did Skip Bayless play football? Did, I mean, or whoever. Nobody, nobody who said these things played football. <laughs> right. So, so he could have gone after anybody he wanted. And it felt a little personal when he said she's a joke and that okay. we should all laugh at her. Okay. Like, you're, you're welcome to disagree with her. All you want. Right. Just be a gentleman about it. Be, be, a, be a mature adult about it. She's a joke. I mean, that, so it, it just, it, something felt off about it. It felt personal to if me. If he would have called Stephen A. Smith a joke, would you have had the same reaction? That that's too personal? I, if Stephen A. Smith got on his show, on his uh, pulpit, yeah. and did a whole big thing about how Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. Yeah. And... And Jeff Garcia retweeted that clip of Stephen A. Smith and said exactly the same thing about Stephen A. Smith yep. as he said about Mina Kimes. Would you have the same reaction? I think. Or was, are you sensitive because we're talking about a woman here who made the comments? I think it just felt unhinged. His comment just felt kind of unhinged and out of nowhere. It, it just it did. It just felt like unnecessarily venomous. Okay. With, and so, yeah, I, I would have had the right. same reaction. Like, right. what, what are you so angry about? It's somebody's opinion, and right. now you got to call them names and say they're a joke? I don't know. Something, something feels off about it. I didn't, okay. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't like it. I tend to look at these things and take these things in, in, into little parts. Okay. All right, so I'll start from the beginning. And I think that everybody will agree with me until we get to a certain point, and then I'll tell you my unfiltered opinion. That might be a little bit of thin ice. Okay. might be a little bit of a sensitive subject. Let's start with Mina Kimes, who made the original remark. Yep. A commentary. Okay. Was there anything wrong with Kimes' commentary? I am not a big Mina Kimes fan. But in this case, I don't see anything wrong with her commentary. This was her opinion. It's an opinion that's shared by probably, as I say, 95, 98% of the football world would say the same thing, that the 49ers are winning kind of despite Jimmy, yeah. their, their quarterback, that he's going to probably play in a different team next year. Yeah, I don't think there's anything anything that she did in her original commentary was wrong. She is paid by ESPN to give critical analysis of the NFL, and this is what she did. I was going to ask you, what would make it wrong, though? I mean, it's her opinion, right? You said I don't she, think anything would. I don't, I, there's nothing that would make it wrong. Okay, because you said she didn't She didn't say anything wrong. I don't, I'm just kind of I'm wondering what you I mean think, by that. I think that the, uh, the opinion was, was articulated – whether you agree with it or not, I think we all agree with it. Yeah. I don't think that there was anything that she did that's even that even gets close to the edge. Okay. Okay? So now, is there anything wrong with Garcia's reaction? You found more wrong with Garcia's reaction than I do. Yeah. I feel like, okay, here's what's wrong with his reaction. It's the old, what do you know 
if you're not a former player yeah. or a former coach. Yeah. I've gone through that. I just told you the story <laughs> with Digger Phelps. Yeah. I've been hearing this for years and years and years from players and coaches. You know, George Carl had a little of that in him when he was coaching the Sonics. Uh -oh. What do you know? You never coached. And yeah. a film critic has never produced a show, has never produced a movie. What does a film critic know? People who there's people Correct. who judge wine. Right. They're not vintner, vintners or whatever they're called. You can find a million examples. The whole thing to me is ignorant at every turn. His his reaction. He probably has a relationship with Jimmy G. So he's probably offended by it. He certainly has a relationship with the Niners. Yeah. We can hear that in his quote. Let's go. Let's root for the Niners to beat the you know what out of the Rams. Yeah. I think his reaction is just silly and stupid that she can't offer an opinion because she's never played quarterback in the league. Right. All right. Now the sexist part, which is really, to me, the most important part. I read his, his remarks over and over and over again. Did they get personal? Yes. But is there anything within the actual words that strikes me as sexist? Not really. The only issue is the obvious one that we just talked about which is there were a million people that he could have gone after right. for having that exact same opinion who have not played quarterback in the NFL, so would not be able to render that type of an opinion. Right. And he happened to choose a woman at ESPN to go after. Now, I don't know Jeff Garcia at all. I've interviewed him a couple times. I don't know him at all. I don't know if he's sexist. I don't know if he, I don't know if he, he went after her because she's a her. Yeah. But there's a possibility, you must admit, there's a possibility that Jeff Garcia turned on his phone or turned on his TV, and the first thing that he saw was Mina Kimes going after Jimmy Garoppolo, which he doesn't agree with. Yeah. Right? Mina Kimes, who he said he doesn't know, by the way. He's never even heard of her. Okay. Yeah. Possible. If you want to give him, if you want to give people in 2022 the benefit of the doubt, it is possible that this was the first person with a big platform that he saw. And he immediately reacted. And if this person would have been a male, he would have said the same thing. It just happened to be Mina Kimes. There's a chance of that. No, that, that's what he says. I'm that's, sure that's what he says yeah. now. He to just, defend himself. He said somebody copied and pasted it on his feed. He didn't even know who Mina Kimes was. So uh, whether she's female or male was neither here nor there. Okay, so yeah. do you accept that? I guess I have to. I mean, he's if he says it, but it just, it felt, it, if you don't, you don't know who she is, but you're going to call her a joke. And tell everyone to laugh at her. It just, it feels a little more personal than just, oh, I didn't know who she was, so I went off on her. Right. It feels a little well, more personal than that. But I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not. Here's what I know. Okay, and this is the kind of sensitive, kind of thin ice. Okay. I don't want to piss people off, but I want to tell you how I feel. Yep. And it's unfiltered. It's Mitch unfiltered, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do an unfiltered a few minutes here, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. Okay. We are living in a time where we're all pushing for good reason to get women the same opportunities in male-oriented fields, worlds, like sports, right? Yep. From referees to coaches to front office positions, mm -hmm. assistant GMs to salary cap experts to play-by-play -play on TV to color on TV to talking heads on ESPN. We are going out of our way. We're bending over backwards, which we should be, yeah. to change what has been all kind of a boys boys club all these years yep. because there are endless amounts of women that are every bit as capable as you and me to do this. Yep. 
There are endless amount of, amounts of women who know sports as well as the guys do, who can be on ESPN and do play-by-play and be referees and be officials in games and be linesmen in, in Super Bowls. And so we are working our best in this day and age to make more opportunities available to women, Yep. right? And we've come a long way. I would say so. But we also still have miles to go. Well, it's interesting you say that to interrupt you here. Sorry, but like I would tell okay. my I would tell my wife, hey, look, I think it was the San Antonio Spurs. Becky, a- Ham- Becky Hammond, yeah. Right. They, she was the first assistant coach. Right. She just left to go take over a WNBA team. That's right. 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 She's, the high, she's going to be the highest paid WNBA coach in the league. But right? she was an assistant coach, the first one in the NBA. And I, I tell my wife, and her response is, that's There's shameful. Only one? It's yeah. shameful it took that long. Correct. So, yeah, so, so we've come a long way, yeah. yet we well, have a long way to go. Well, 30 years ago, think just think of where we are now compared to 30 years ago right. in terms of play-by-play, officials, assistant coaches, yep. everything else. Yep. We have come quite a distance, but we are nowhere near. You and I will be, both be dead by the, before we get to where we need to be. Right. But here's what I think. We're not going to ever get where we need to be If every time a woman is criticized in one of these positions, we immediately throw, he must be sexist. Mm. He must be, and I'm not defending Jeff Garcia. Please don't hear me the wrong way. Yeah. But we're not going to get to where we want to be. We've got to be able as talk show. I can tell you, I can tell tell you genuinely, going back to the radio days and now with the podcast, whenever I find myself wanting to criticize a woman, yeah. I get the heebie-jeebies. You do. I wonder, oh my God, can I do that? Yeah. Should I say that? Is, is somebody it even gonna take worth it? it? Is it worth it? Right. Is somebody yeah. going to call me a, a sexist pig? Yep. I get worried every time I have what I would deem fair criticism of a woman. Yeah. And that, to me, is an obstacle in where we're going. We've got to be able to blast a woman official if she makes a bad call. We've got to be able to blast a woman coach if she makes a poor decision. We've got to be able to blast a woman broadcaster if we don't like her opinion. Yeah. Without the fear of being labeled a sexist pig because we went after a woman. Right. Maybe Jeff Garcia is sexist. I don't know. Right. But I've got to be able to come on Mitch Unfiltered if I want to without any concern, if I think that Aaron Andrews sucks on the sidelines, yeah. which I don't, I think she's great, but I got to be able to say, Aaron Andrews, that interview was was god-awful. She yeah. was, she's terrible on the sidelines. I've got to be able to do that without concern. And in a way, it's it's offensive to her if you were to hold that in. Correct. Because you'd be suggesting, Correct. well, she's a Correct. girl, she can't take it. You know? Correct. It's, it's weird how that works, isn't it? It's offensive to her to suggest she couldn't handle criticism. But yet that's where we are. And that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Maybe you would tell me it doesn't apply here, Mitch, because Jeff Garcia singled out a woman, went after a woman, didn't want to go after a man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know any of that. I don't know what's in Jeff Garcia's None heart of us will or, ever know. Or, or what's in his mind. Yeah. All I know is if we're going to make the progress that we all want to make someday, as long as it's about their opinion or the call that they made in the Super Bowl, or the spot that they made, or the opinion that they had on ESPN, yeah. fair game. Right. It's got to be fair game, and it's not. As soon as somebody says something negative about a woman who's in in a powerful position, mm-hmm. the first reaction yeah. seems to always be, ah, that's sexist. 
And it's it feels like, and I'm, I don't have numbers to back this up, but it feels like it's all the the white knights on Twitter that are coming to her rescue. You know, like it, 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 I don't think she would even say. I, maybe maybe I missed it, but did she think it was sexist? Don't know. I, she, I, I don't think she's responded to that part of it. So I find it interesting that you say when he says you're a joke or she's a joke. Yeah. You think that crosses the line into something gender related? Not necessarily. I don't it, see that. No, it crosses the line because into I I think he could say. I ask myself this question, and I just I just posed it to you earlier. Yeah. If it were Stephen Smith, Stephen A. Smith, who said what she said, and Jeff Garcia said all the things he said, and then called Stephen A. Smith a joke, yeah. would we even think twice about that? I didn't. I say think we're extra sensitive. Okay. Because. He called her a joke, and she's a her. I said it crossed into personal. I didn't say it crossed yes, it into did. gender. Yes, it did. It, get it. It's definitely crossed into it personal. It didn't need to go personal, but it did. Okay. But was it gender-specific personal? Was it sexism? Was it sexist? I didn't. I mean, or, or yeah. is Or is it somebody who just doesn't agree with her and hates the fact that people are taking shots at his buddy Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. and is ready to fight back on his behalf? and is ready to come out swinging at whoever it is that's in the way, whether it's a female or a male. I'm coming out swinging. Yeah. I don't agree. Here's why I don't agree. They didn't play football. They didn't, he, I mean, he, he's an idiot. There's no question that his whole his whole theory of you've got to play quarterback in the NFL to be able to have an opinion to know anything about quarterbacking in the NFL. He's an idiot, but he's entitled to be, to be an idiot, <laughs> right? It's a great country. The question is, did we overreact to quickly call it sexist? I think people overreacted, yes. I don't know. And here's something else that I'll let you guys decide about. Whether Hot Shots handsome? <laughs> no, that's that's indisputable. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Doug Crandall, yep. now former Issaquah High School women's basketball coach. Yeah. You probably have read the story. Maybe you've heard him on radio. Maybe you've heard him on TV. I tried to do, It's you know, it's very easy to be empathetic and sympathetic and sure. go on the side of the individual versus the establishment. I tried to present this in the most fair and objective way I could. Okay. This interview, you listen to it. I'll be interested to hear your, now you're an Issaquah guy. I'm in the bag. knows him. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're one of the many that have reached out to me that are in the bag for him. Yeah. I tried to present it in a kind of a level headed way. Appreciate it because yeah, I mean, I, I don't know him. I actually saw him in a gym like a week ago, and I right. I was going to introduce myself, and I just right. didn't. But I, I know people whose kids played for him, and everything I've heard, people everybody love him, so loves him. I'm I don't know if I can everybody be loves him impartial in an interview. So I'm glad you're the one that did it because I tried my best. I love him. I love his in laws. I love everyone. I figured. I figured. <laughs> he, I, I figured. Here's 15 minutes. Him and me. Listen to it. Derive your own opinion. Okay. Love it. Three interviews, and then the other stuff segment. Well, it's a new year, and that means a new story for Mitch as it pertains to my quizzes from Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner, Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, how are you? I'm doing well, Mitch. How are you? I'm good, and I'm feeling like 2022 is going to be my year to do better than like 0 for 3 and 1 for 3. What is the theme of the three questions this time around. So the theme today is what has the market been doing so far this okay. year? So right. seeing how close you've been paying attention. Okay. Yeah, so true or false. Oh. Through January 21st, the stock market is up on the year. Oh, that's definitely false. 
You're right. It's okay. false. It's down about 8% through the first few weeks of the year. It's been a lot more volatility than we've seen recently. A lot of that is due to the rising COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, there's some geopolitical risks that are going on, as well as the threat of rising interest rates in the future. Right. So overall, it's been a lot more volatile than, than we've seen recently. A rough start to 2022 for the stock market. Question number two, Katie. The bond market is up on the year. Is that true or false? I'm going to say true because when equities go down, bonds typically go up. So I'll say true. Uh, So that was a bit of a trick question for you. It's actually false. The bond market is down about 1% this year. So that is the conventional wisdom when stocks go down, bonds go up, but it's been an environment we're looking at rising interest rates, and that's been really impacting the bond market as well. All right, I'm one for two. I really need this one to get off to a good start this year in your eyes. So what's question number three? In a previous quiz, we discussed that the market measured by the S&P 500 has not had a correction since March of 2020. What percent down from peak to trough is officially considered a correction? Is it down 5%, down 10, 15, or 20%? I'm throwing out the extremes 5 and 20. This is what I did when I was back in school and I didn't know answers. So either B or C, I'll go I'll go 15%. Ooh, it's actually 10. You were very close. We haven't seen a correction of 10% since March of 2020. The market's down about 8% right now. So now is the time for our Evergreen clients. We're reaching out. If people have been in cash or wanting to get more aggressive, now with the market approaching that correction territory, it's a time that we're thinking about that for our clients. So here I am in 2022 starting off. Right where I left off in 21, one out of three, batting 333. But we still love Evergreen Golf Call. We love Katie Versio. They're a great partner. Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Dawson Crandall, he's a West Point grad who took Issaquah High School's girls basketball team to fourth and state back in 2020. This season, they were 3-0 when he says the district here all of a sudden put him on administrative leave with little explanation. Episode 176, and our next guest guided the Issaquah High School girls basketball team to a fourth place finish a couple of years ago in the state tournament. Then in December, he was a few games into, I believe, his third season with the program. Suddenly, he was placed on administrative leave, never to be reinstated, has been at the center of a mysterious controversy, leaving his team and their family stunned and upset. Doug Crandall, nice enough to be with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Coach, I'd ask you how you're doing, but I think I already know the answer to that question. (laughs) Yeah, uh Thanks, Mitch. Doing doing better recently, but thank you. I, I guess I got to ask you to go back to the beginning and kind of retrace the steps. The latest is you've submitted your resignation under duress, as they say, in advance of a February 1st contract expiration. Is that right? That's correct, Mitch. I think uh, we could go today. Got another email for the district and I've been pinging them a lot. Uh, and they indicated my contract would terminate automatically on February 1st, which is the last date when you sign it that it says on the contract, even though the season, when you go into the playoffs ends up extending past that. Yeah. So I had asked permission to go to senior night, which is actually tonight and was threatened with some trespassing language. I coach a fourth grade team and I've not been allowed on district property this whole time. So 
the parents moved our practices to our community center. And I asked permission last Sunday to go to picture day at Issaquah high school with the fourth graders and was denied permission. So last Saturday I was like, kind of just whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll preempt this. You're trying to get me, this is a de facto firing anyway. So I resigned under duress and and have been to the last two games and and we'll be at senior night tonight. So, okay. So you can go, you can go. You have a, by the way, a wife in the Issaquah School District that's a teacher, right? That's right. She's a kindergarten teacher uh, okay. for now. <laughs> not, oh, oh, oh. not super happy. Yeah. Uh, teacher of the year last year at her uh, elementary school, and four kids who graduated from Issaquah High School, and uh, so we're we're well tied into this community, and it's important to us. So I want to try to figure this out, and I know that I'm gonna bang my head against the wall, and we're gonna get off of this interview after we're finished, and we're not gonna know anything more. <laughs> than what we know now, but I'm going to try my very best. You know me. Walk us through it. Uh, the team's off to a 3-0 and start in your third season. You get called into a meeting, I think, on December the 6th, early December anyway. Right, December 6th, that's right. And uh, you expected what to be discussed in that meeting when you were called into the meeting. Yeah, Mitch, I had a little bit of a heads up. So December 3rd, before our game, uh, our athletic director pulled me aside and said, hey, a couple kids were pulled in for some questions. Uh, he, he gave me a little bit of the topic. And Mitch, I just don't want to get into that because of some, you know, taking care of some kids, quite frankly. But uh, so I, I knew a little bit what it was about. But he said, no big deal. You're going to have to communicate a little bit differently. And uh, he just he actually said, my hands are tied. This is a public school district. And we'll talk about it later. And, and so I'm getting ready to coach our third game of the season. Like now this is weighing on me. Okay, I'm, I'm a ruminator anyway, but I got through the game. We had a good win. We got to 3-0, and and I went into his office right before I went home for the weekend, and my wife was actually with me. She was standing outside, and I said, hey, this is heavy. Am I going to get fired or something? Having no idea really what it's about other than I might need to communicate a little bit differently, but they kind of came after me, I felt like, in May to, to terminate me, and it's, so I, I just feel like people have been watching me, and he laughed out loud. And my AD is not a demonstrative guy. He actually laughed out loud and said, no, you're good. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk Monday. So I thought I was coming in Monday to talk about how I communicate. Right. And boom, instead, please give us your keys. I, I feel like my AD, he looked visibly distraught. Like I, to this day, I haven't been able to talk to him, but I feel like I have his 100% support. That's just my guess. I'm speculating, but the principal and the AD look like they felt for me, but give us your keys. You need to leave district property and you can no longer talk to the, the kids. Uh, they, at that, in that moment, Mitch, they said, we cannot tell you what this is about. It's an investigation for an allegation of misconduct and you need to call district HR to find out what it's about, but they're probably gone for the day. So call them tomorrow. I mean, even mentioned those 24 hours, that was freaking torture. Like, okay, so tomorrow I can find out. I had no clue at that moment. I actually said to our AD, Hey, has something happened since Friday? Like what? And he said, I can't say, uh, and that for the next three days was all I knew. Hmm. What does it mean that you need to communicate? And this question's coming from somebody who for 54 years has been told that they need to communicate differently. So I'm allowed to ask (laughs) this question. I have been criticized at every turn that I don't know how to communicate. What does that mean that, that coach Doug Crandall needs to communicate? A little differently. Yeah, I mentioned I will, you know, taking it back a little bit. In the moment that Friday, I thought it meant I need to stop using the word love. Like I, I thought he because I had my son, uh, March 17th of last year, had one of his closest friends take his own life. Amazing kid from an amazing family. He was a 
MVP of a state, Washington State, I think it was 1B basketball tournament, hit two free throws to win the game and took his own life last spring. It's, it's the most devastating thing my youngest son has ever been through. It's probably the second hardest thing our family's been through uh, for me, other than the loss of my own father. And I took all our kids in early April of 2021 after this pandemic crap and lockdowns and all this stuff. And I said, if you are a player in the Issaquah girls basketball program, we care about you. We know your name. We love you. And I had our four seniors up front. I said, I love her. I love her. I love her. They know why. And we had a fourth player who had just joined the team. And I said, I don't know her as well, but had I been coaching for two years and I'm sure I'll come to love her. Uh, and I just made a decision, Mitch, like if you were in our program, you were going to know we cared about you and, and you're, and they all know what it means. I love you like a daughter. And there's no, that's why the parents have been so supportive. So Correct. I thought communicate differently, inappropriate communication meant love. maybe the love, you know, and, and I was even going to be willing to adapt. I care about the kids enough that if I can't say anymore, then at least for this season, yeah. I'll adapt. And if I need to go to a private school to say, or I can change it. Hey, I have a coaching mentor who always says you're the best when he finishes off. Well, maybe I'll change it to you're the best, but that's what I thought it was about, Mitch, at that, at that okay. point. Okay. I, I want to mention before we go any further, to be completely fair here, no formal complaint by any parent on any of the girls that were on your team. In fact, they've all come out in full support of you wanting wanted you to come back. So no formal complaint, which tells me that somebody – observed something, maybe somebody on the board, maybe a friend of somebody that's on the board that doesn't have a child on the team. Somebody saw something or heard something that they didn't like. Is that a fair assumption? Do you think that's fair mix? Yeah. And there's no reason for any of this that you can tell, except for maybe the language that you use in communication. So continue the walk through. No timetable. Yeah. Do they do an investigation? Do they keep you informed? I read something that said that you got a a letter from a lawyer of the, the Issaquah School District asking you to cease trying to yeah. communicate with the board. Is that right? How many people are on the board? Explain to me what the board is. Yeah, so mind. there's five members of our school board. They're kind of elected by area um, in Issaquah, the school district. Uh, there's five areas. So like I would vote for the person in area one. Mitch, so a couple of days after this December 6th meeting, I got the vague description of there's an allegation of misconduct around unprofessional, inappropriate communication with students. And so, okay. I mean, I, maybe it's the word love. I mean, Mitch, for a month, I, I, I slept every third night, you know, and I would go in my mind, was it this little thing I said, was it an acute thing that someone I even told the school district, hey, this is either a fabrication, a misunderstanding, or it's not that big a deal. Because those are only three possibilities. Like, I know everything I've done. I'm a very relational coach, though, Mitch. Like, there's no question about that. I'm not denying that. I stood in front of our school board on March 25th last year when they canceled our football season in the wake of my, friend, uh, my son's that. friend dying. Yes. And I, I had to go back and watch it because I didn't remember exactly what I'd said. I was there to lobby for our kids going back to school, to lobby for our football team. And with, they did end up getting another game as kind of a result of me speaking there because our district had made some mistakes. But I said, I'm about to go supervise open gym and I'm not doing it for the state championship because we're not doing it this year. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I love every single one of those girls. I used the word love in front of our stinking school board back in March of 20, you know, March of 2021. So this idea of, of how I coach and, and the, the way I, 
I do it for the relationships is no secret. I've been transparent about it. I've been transparent about it with my athletic director. The parents all know that who I am. I've never been alone with a, a kid, Mitch. I, I don't text them within, without like my wife or another coach on the text. Like none of those things are in question here. Let me ask you about that passionate. I, I watched that. It's on YouTube. I actually watched your passionate plea to the board back in March of 2021 before any of this where you were asking for a return to normalcy, that these kids were missing sports and they were missing extracurricular activities and they're missing drama and we need to get back. Do you think that 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 in and of itself rubbed people or anybody the wrong way and that set the the wheels in motion or am I overthinking this? No, I I do now and I want to be 100%, you know, transparent. Uh, it's speculation on my part. I think the money line on it is negative 200. I mean, like, yeah. So yes, because I, I went through this same experience of some sort of like unofficial investigation that doesn't follow any district policies. That's not, that wasn't on a formal complaint back in May. And during my 30, this 30 minute interrogation of me, that was kind of around COVID policies, but they brought up how I used to yell at referees at my son's games. Like my son, Jason was a UW walk on and yeah, I wasn't the best. I, Hey, hundred percent. I'm not the best sports parent and I need to do better in that way, but they hired me and I haven't got a technical in three seasons and I've done a lot better. And they actually said, we're proud of you for doing better. I'm a grown man. They looked at me and said, I'm proud of you. Then they stopped and looked at me and the assistant principal who did it. I think he's a good, good guy. I think he was doing someone else's bidding, but he looked at me and said, you need to publicly support the administration. I mean, in the middle, of, I mean, there was no question. There was no follow-up. It was just a statement in the middle of this interrogation. And in the moment, I was like, what does that mean? Uh, and when I walked out, I was like, crud, is this about me speaking at the board meeting? So I, it's speculation, but like I said, I'd, I'd put my own money on it. What kind of legal avenues are available to you? Um, certainly, you must have spoken to attorneys to find out, maybe even just get clarification from the board, get some more information. I know there's a GoFundMe page. I know that all of your players and their their families have been raising money for you to go have uh, representation. What can you tell us about any possibilities of you getting more? Yeah, there's, and that's the decision you put that way because as I have talked to lawyers and I do have a lawyer now and, and uh, think that this person's going to do a phenomenal job just fighting because my wife and I sort of want to, watch the girls to the playoffs and step back from all of this and let someone else fight this battle. But I have shared with her that uh, goal number one is just some transparency. Like if they're never going to tell me what this was about, I want some people deposed and just to see what in the end was this about my appearance at the board meeting. Did I hurt someone's feelings and and just never, you know, we've never been able to resolve it because it's been behind a curtain. Like I, what I do know for sure, Mitch, is I haven't broken any laws. I haven't done anything that, that would embarrass my wife or kids. Like there's not, there's none of that. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Like if you look at the things that they could fire me for, I've confessed to some of them in emails. Like, yes, I did this. Why are we investigating? Just let's get it over with. Um, you know, Mitch, one of the things that says like in these boundaries rules is we're not allowed to give kids nicknames. I don't think that's what this is about, but I never knew that before they sent me these rules. Like all of us coaches give kids nicknames. I got a girl going to play at a D one college. And my nickname for her is that college, you know, like it. So I don't think that's what this is about. That's, that's way too trivial, but they can fire you for a lot of trivial reasons. So in terms of employment law, I'm an at will employee. I make $7,000 to do this. Like there's not, there's in that regard, 
a number of employment and attorneys were just kind of like, yeah, there's not really a lot of damages here. But if my First Amendment rights were violated and we can show that through open records requests and depositions that this was retribution, then all of a sudden there's something big. If they have convoluted employment practices, why are they investigating me last May when I'm not even under contract? Um, why are they able to put a person who makes $7,000 on paid administrative leave and, and give me no due process? Uh, then there's maybe a 14th Amendment claim there that's a little bit novel. So I, I spent my whole New Year's Eve weekend looking at case law around the 14th Amendment and writing up five pages of stuff because I needed to do something. Uh, there's been 21 coaches in the across two high schools in the girls and boys basketball programs in the last 10 years. Like I just had breakfast with a guy this morning who went through this like eight years ago and just oh. was dismissed and oh. told me about someone else who was just dismissed. Like this is an Issaquah school district thing. We don't even have a district athletic director. So there's, I'm not alone. A girl, a, a girl sports thing or, or uh, uh, girls and boys, girls basketball. and boys, basketball, girls okay. and boys, basketball, just okay. four programs at two rival high schools, 21 coaches in the last 10 years. Wow. You obviously love to coach. Uh, what's next in terms of coaching? Do you think, I mean, there's obviously lots of jobs in the region. Are you concerned that this will follow you and that you won't be able to get another gig? Do you want to get back on the yeah, sidelines? Those are good questions. Um, I'm not concerned it will follow me. Like, I, And some people have talked about, and I get it, Like, because people whisper there must be more to this and, and whatever. I mean, Mitch, I've told you everything I know right now, right here, you know, and if there's more to it, then it's something I didn't know about. <laughs> like, how is that possible? I mean, so it, I'm not, I mean, I've got a lot of, Friends, a lot of supporters. I think it's it's easily explainable. Um, I'm not worried about if they do conclude this investigation, what they're going to find. I have had people tell me, you probably, you know, if you want a coach like this, might need to be at a private school. Um, I, that maybe that makes sense. You know, where using the word love and being close to kids isn't going to be a problem. Right. Uh, so I think that's sad because. I think that kids everywhere need to be loved and I think need to be taken care of. And I think the support from the community shows that their parents want that sort of support, especially when we got a mental health pandemic that our surgeon general has declared. So I don't, but I don't know. It's been hard to go through. Like it's been really hard. I mean, the last eight weeks now, it's almost, you know, it's 55 days we're into this. Um, so I lost, you know, I lost weight. I lost sleep. I, I wondered what's going on. So do you want to, I'm a little bit scared to get yeah. back into that. I mean, over what I don't even know, I was pouring my heart and soul into it and doing the best job I could. This is what happened. Right. The girls have been devastated. So, but I love it. I love basketball. I love the relationships more. I love the kids. I love building a culture where kids feel valued. And I think we've done that. So it, it just depends. I mean, stuff, Mitch, like the commute matters, you know, it's cost 10 minutes from my house. So I don't want to drive 35 minutes to a, to you know, a high school in a, in a different district to, I understand. to coach. So we'll see. I mean, I'm coaching a fourth grade team right now and those kids are awesome. And right now um, we're yeah. excited to keep doing stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, Doug, let me ask you this. You use the word love a lot. I've not seen you coach. I'd like to see a coach. I've heard you're a heck of a coach. I've had a lot of people actually reach out to me knowing that I'm doing this, this interview, but I'll ask the question that needs to be asked. How about tough love? I've not seen yeah. you on the sidelines. Well, how would you characterize your demeanor when things aren't going great? I know what I'm like with my own son when yeah. things aren't going great. I know what I was like on the uh, at the Bellevue Boys and Girls Club when things weren't going right. What's Doug Crandall like when things aren't going right for his team? Yeah, Mitch, I mean, I think that's why I've always struggled with referees because uh, <laughs> I don't 
I don't yell at the kids. I mean, I, the toughness. Yeah. Like we like in a huddle, we need to pick it up on defense. I've gotten fired up a few times. I mean, right. we have high standards. We have a, we have a play called high and I can think of one girl and if she listens to this. She knows who he is. She is for two years. It's like your foot needs to be outside the key because the spacing matters on this rub screen. And she just keeps forgetting and keeps forgetting. <laughs> and we'll get on the line because she can't remember. So you know, we, you come to our games, Mitch, our backpacks are all lined up. I mean, I'm a West Point guy. Discipline matters to me, but uh, never embarrass a kid, never in public. Like you deserve to be valued. It's not my job. To, I, I, there's nothing about coaching where I personally, my leadership philosophy, I believe that uh, making you feel less about yourself is going to help you play better. So there's a toughness to who we are and getting on the ground. And, you know, we need to talk, control the things you control. Right. Never in my life have I giving a kid grief for missing a layup, right? Every time they take a layup, they're trying to make it. So, um, yeah, there's a toughness and there's a little bit of tough love for sure. And I think the kids see that, like some of them, like, you know, these days I like to call you Doug and I, I put in a thing this year, like I'm coach, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not Doug, I'm coach. Uh, and I had one girl even just the other day who said, I'm glad, um, I can call you Doug again. Cause it's so hard <laughs> to call you coach. I'm like, Oh yeah, you can call me whatever you want. Now. Uh, so. Final question for you, coach. Uh, do you think when time goes and we get away from this a little bit and you're out at a basketball game or you're out somewhere and you run across a member of the board, maybe at some point in the future when it's not so hot and it's not so sensitive that you'll get an explanation, maybe even off the record from somebody and you'll have You'll have more closure that way. Uh, no way for more of those board members. I think their <laughs> ability to just continue to say nothing and, you know, to, to give them a break, maybe they're, you know, I don't understand all the legal machinations of like sort of a school board. I know as a leader, like in the military, like some commander would have said, no, wait a second, fix this. Um, and that's frustrating to me that we've been two months into this and there's no, um, Colonel brigade commander. I think of a guy, general Corelli who would have just fixed this problem right. one way or the other. If Crandall made a mistake, get rid of him and let these girls give them closure. Um, if he didn't fix this, if we, so I don't think so. Maybe there might be a couple people I'd give it the over under seven years. <laughs> no, <I don't laughs> seven years. Someone oh, says something, okay. but Mitch, we do hope through open records requests and maybe some depositions to, to figure something out. Doug Crandall, now the former coach of the Issaquah High School girls basketball, the very successful Issaquah High School basketball team over the last few years. Sorry. I wish I could do something. I wish I could say something. Uh, you've heard it all. I, I think the best thing that you can you can lean into is the great reaction that you've gotten from those kids and those kids' parents. I wish you nothing but the very best, and thank you for coming on, Mitch Unfiltered, Doug. Thanks so much. Mitch, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's time for the first visit of the year for my friend Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. How did 21 go? Give us kind of a State of the Union address. All things considered, how do you think Zeke's performed in 2021? Yeah, all things considered, I think we performed well. Uh, as you know, it's challenging times for the restaurant industry, and it's no different for us. I mean, COVID has changed the world, and in a lot of ways, coming out of COVID has created more challenges than during COVID for us in certain ways. But, you know, I tend to be an optimist, and so focus on the positive things, which our restaurants, for the most part, in 21 were fully open. The really optimistic part is, is in terms of opening new locations, uh, we've been doing very well on that. And 2022, off the top of your head, can you tell us about expansion? Yeah, so we're actually in the midst of our 
biggest growth phase ever at Zeke. So all within the next month or so, Spokane, Mill Creek and White Center will all open. And then shortly after that, Seward Park and Renton will come online. So yeah, we're we're cranking right now. We're approaching 30 Zeke's pizzas. How do you explain, given the conditions and the challenges, all this growth for you guys? Yeah, it's been crazy. It was, I wouldn't say that it was a total surprise for us, but uh, you can add buy a Zeke's franchise in addition to buying a Peloton and a vacation home <laughs> is something that evidently people do during a worldwide pandemic. Ah, and what's the Black family eating and drinking this January? Yeah, you know, wintertime, we tend to go towards our classic meat pies. So we've been doing Puget Pounder, John Candy, Cherry Bomb, Dragon, all of which are kind of Zeke's classics. And then beer wise, I've been drinking stuff from a couple of breweries up in Bellingham. Uh, one is Flannel Blizzard, which is a Zeke's specific beer that is a Canadian lager that's super easy drinking. So I drink a lot of that. And then the other one I've been drinking is a Skookum Hazy, which is another popular style. I'm so happy for your expansion and your success. I know the 21 was difficult. I'm very appreciative of your partnership with Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic, the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well, the Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest to see those Seahawks do really well and my beloved UW Huskies. But uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we did with you guys is we want to send somebody out there, an expert, to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything's going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations, and get that stress-free buying experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors and fireplace units? Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks, and you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Top of the third. And a fly ball hit to deep right field. Cedeno back is out of room. It is a solo home run the opposite way by Julio Rodriguez. Cam Gallagher setting his glove right down the middle of the plate. Rodriguez hammers it deep to center field. That's a way back. And that ball is gone. Listen, if baseball owners and players can figure out their labor issues and get their act together, spring training is just around the corner. It's always fun to see the latest prospect rankings in Baseball America. 
30-plus years they've been doing it, especially when the hometown team has some representation. Enter stage right, Kyle Glazer, national baseball writer for Baseball America. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to join you anytime. Before we look at the top 100 individual players, give us a thought, if you would, on where the Mariners quasi-rank in overall depth of the farm system. In recent years, almost all the lists had them in the top 10. Some of them had them in the top five. But now you've got Logan Gilbert and Jared Kelnick kind of graduating off of that list. Where where are they now, would you say, Kyle? So in our Baseball America midseason organizational talent rankings, they ranked as the number one farm system in baseball. Wow. We're going to be releasing our 2022 preseason rankings in the coming weeks, so I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but uh, just suffice to say the Mariners are very, very, very high up. This is an outstanding farm system that really is defined by the talent at the top. The depth is solid, don't get me wrong, but some farm systems are overflowing with depth. Others are really concentrated at the top. The Mariners have both, but I would say it leans more toward the the star power at the top than an overwhelming depth system. And you only have five, I think, Mariners on the entire top 100. So that's not, I would think there are a lot of teams that have more guys in the top 100 than the Mariners, but they've got like three or four, three of the top 18 players in your recent list. Well, actually, with five uh, players in the top 100, that's tied for second most of all okay. teams in Major League Baseball. So they actually are pretty okay. high up there. And um, but but you're right. This is a system that you have those five guys in the top 100. And even you go into number six, number seven, there are guys who are in the conversation. And then there are some guys below them that you could see, hey, if they really, really pop over the next year or two, it wouldn't be a surprise. So you just have some some, again, Excellent, excellent players at the very, very top, as well as some depth guys who are on the cusp of the top 100 or who could very realistically be on here a year or two from now. I want to get your evaluation of those guys. But before we do that, uh, how surprising were you to see Jared Koenig struggle in his first go around? Got a little hotter towards the end of the season. Still bullish on Koenig and, uh, and Logan Gilbert? Absolutely. Was not surprised at all. I think so often people forget how hard it is to make the jump from the minors to the major leagues. And then you take into account that none of these guys had a season in 2020 and Kellenick only had a week at triple a before he was called up and and had barely played even at double a before that we saw throughout the 2021 major league season, how often guys, when they first came up really, really struggled. And there's a long history of this. Look at Mike Trout's first go around the majors. Look at Aaron Judge's first go around in the majors. Look at Alex Rodriguez's first go around in the majors. Even future stars struggle a lot of times when they first come up. So I really was not that surprised at all. And what was important was that he continued to get better month over month. And that's the kind of progress you want to see and reasons to feel optimistic and bullish. Uh, nothing has changed about our evaluation of Jared Kellenick and how good he can be. And then Logan Gilbert, again, we see over and over and over pitchers take time. And again, he's another guy who barely had any triple a time. Didn't get to pitch during the 2020 season to go up and hold his own in the rotation for the majority of the year yeah. was super impressive. I think that these are two young players the Mariners can ride with for the next, again, minimum five, six years until they potentially hit free agency. And hopefully they're around for even longer. These are two really good players who have a lot of growth ahead and a lot of promise. Kyle, there hasn't been a prospect 
since guys like Alex Rodriguez, Felix Hernandez here, etc., that Mariners fans have gotten as excited about as Julio Rodriguez. I see he got nipped for the number one spot on your list. He has to settle for number two. We have to settle for number two. Tell us about who's number one and then graduate to Rodriguez. Who does he remind you of? What kind of numbers in his prime when he's when he's up there for five, six years? What kind of a player is he going to be, Kyle? Uh, so to answer your first question, Adley Rutschman, the switch hitting catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, is our number one prospect. And it was a very, very tight race between him, Julio Rodriguez, and Bobby Witt Jr., the shortstop in the Royals organization. Ultimately, in our discussions with general managers, assistant general managers, scouting directors, front office officials around the game who have that 30,000 foot view, Rutschman got the nod, but it was very, very close. And everyone acknowledges that all three of these guys have a chance to be perennial all-stars and face the franchise kind of talents. Julio Rodriguez has a chance to be one of the best right fielders in Major League Baseball at his peak. He has the potential to, I mean, you could see him hitting 290 with 35 to 40 home runs, even in his bad years. It's hard to foresee him hitting less than 260, 270 with 25 to 30 home runs. This is someone who's just such a unique talent in terms of his ability to hit while hitting for enormous power. A lot of guys, you have to trade off one for the other. He doesn't. He's a career 331 hitter in the minor leagues with the power to hit, hit baseballs out of minor league stadiums. On top of all that, he's a very, very good defender in right field when he's focused. Sometimes he has lapses in focus, but He's plenty athletic. He's got a strong, accurate arm. And he's just such a charismatic individual. Mariners fans who haven't had a chance to see him in interviews or see how he interacts with fans. Uh, he has star power written all over him. Uh, this is someone, again, who has a chance to be the face of the Mariners franchise for as long as he's in Seattle. Does he remind you of anybody? I'm going to stay away from comps just because I don't want to put the pressure on a kid. Suffice to say, he has a chance to contend for MVP awards in his prime. Pick your favorite okay. MVP award winning right hey. fielder who hits for average and power. <laughs> I'll do that. Two others in the top 18 uh, from the Mariners organization. Uh, George Kirby, a right-handed pitcher, starter of the future, a strike thrower. Tell us about him and when you expect him to be in the rotation uh, here in Seattle. Kirby came out of college with some of the best control in his draft class. That's a lot of the reason why the Mariners took him in the first round. And we've seen the Mariners do a really good job of helping guys add velocity, get stronger. And he's done that. He's remade his body a little bit, gotten stronger, worked on a few things mechanically, and has seen his velocity jump from the low 90s to sitting 97 miles an hour and wow. touching 99 on his fastball wow. without sacrificing any of his pinpoint control. We've also seen his slider just again, become a harder pitch with more movement. It's a swing and miss offering right now. It has a curveball, has a changeup. It's a four pitch mix fronted by a power fastball. And again, it's that pinpoint command. If he has to hit a spot, he can hit it, get swings and misses, get weak contacts, whatever you need. This is someone who has a chance to be a true front of the rotation starter, his mix of power and precision. Now, again, he has to show he's durable because a big part of being a number one or two starter is the ability to take the ball every fifth day, 
go seven innings, you know, potentially even eight and really hold up over the course of the season. He struggled with some shoulder tenderness last year. He only threw 67 and two thirds innings. So we still have to see if he can hold this velocity jump over a larger workload, but all the pieces are there. When you look at the strike throwing, the power, the delivery, it's all there. I'm going to stick you with a really tough one. Are you ready, Kyle? You're sitting down. I know you're sitting down because I'm looking at you. You're sitting down. You can have one or the other for the next 15 years, 12 years. Logan or George? George Kirby has a chance to be a front of the rotation starter. Logan Gilbert has always projected to be more of a mid-rotation starter, okay. which is very, very, okay. very good. Okay. No one should knock that in any way, shape, or form. But George Kirby, his ceiling is higher, and he would be the guy you take. How about Noel V. Marte? Only 19 years old. 19 years old? My goodness, I've got kids that are 19 years old. A shortstop in A ball, but has just stardom written all over him. As much as you can say that about a kid that age, right? He certainly shows you the flashes. You see the power. You see the physicality. You see flashes of him really recognizing pitches, controlling the strike zone, making hard contact. Uh, he also stole 24 bases last year. He's got. He moves pretty well for a bigger guy. There are still some youthful mistakes that happen, particularly defensively. There's a lot of errors at shortstop. A lot of it's just, again, lack of focus. And we still see, even in the batter's box sometimes, we'll have moments where, again, he's controlling the strike zone, sticking to his approach, sticking to his plan. And other times he kind of is prone to giving way at bats at times or maybe getting out of his approach. And, and it was a little bit of a roller coaster season, more so than I think a lot of people just looking at the surface level numbers might think. So I will say that he has an enormous amount of talent. There's no question he has a chance to be an impactful player in the future, but this is still a very, very young player who has to work on consistency, who has to work on, again, just growing into some of the finer points of the game. So, um, you know, there's always a lot of risk anytime you're talking about a kid in a ball, no matter how talented they are. So a couple things still need to happen, but at the same time, you can see the path to him becoming right. yet another homegrown Mariner star. So we've got five, got five Mariners on the recent top 100 of Baseball America. We've got Kyle Glazer on with us. We've talked about Rodriguez, Kirby, and Marte. There's two other Mariner prospects that are on the list, and then I'm going to ask you to finish up the two guys that aren't on the list, which are curious to me. Um, give me just a quick thought on Matt Brash and Brandon Williamson. Brash is a right-hander. I think Williamson is a left-hander. Both strike out a ton of guys. I guess everybody strikes out a ton of guys these days, but uh, you know, in the old days when I was when I was actually somewhat middle aged, it was like a strikeout per inning pitched was really good. Now it's like two strikeouts per innings pitched to be very good. T tell me about Brash and Williamson, if you would, Kyle. Yeah, Brash was one of the fastest rising pitching prospects in the minor leagues last year, began the year in high A, ended it with a call up in the majors. He didn't make an appearance for the Mariners, but his stuff just continued to get better throughout the year. And he has a, a mid nineties fastball that gets a lot of swings and misses, but his pitch is really his slider. It's one of the best sliders in the minor leagues. Some would argue it is the best slider in really? the minor leagues. Wow. Uh, it's just an absolutely disgusting pitch. It looks kind of like Kerry Wood's slider in his prime, just the power, the sweep, wow. uh, just rolling off of right-handed hitters barrels. And it has a chance to be a true out pitch in the major leagues. There's some debate whether he'll be a starter or reliever. His controls a little wild 
wonky. There's some injury history there and the delivery is not the smoothest thing in the world, but the stuff is unimpeachable. And in some form or fashion, he should make an impact for the Mariners, whether it's as a hard throwing mid rotation starter who gets a ton of strikeouts or potentially a power arm closer. Then Brandon Williamson's a six foot six left-hander who, again, another guy whose stuff just has continued to get better in the Mariners system, averaged 14 strikeouts per nine last oh. year across high and double a. Um, you see again, he's six foot six. So there's some deception. The ball gets on hitters quicker than they expect. And he's able to get it up to 97 with a big breaking curveball. Again, just uh, great stuff. A lot of potential. Both these guys should make an impact for the Mariners in the coming years, uh, potentially both as starters, but even if Williamson is a mid to back the rotation starter and brash is a closer, those are two impactful players. Let's finish up with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. I think if Mariner fans pick up the uh, Baseball America Top 100, they're going to be thrilled to see Julio Rodriguez and some of the other guys that we just mentioned. They're going to be disappointed because the number six overall pick, Kyle, of 2020 out of the University of Georgia, Emerson Hancock, who we all looked at right away and thought, oh my God, this guy is not going to have to spend too many years in the minors. He's going to be ready quickly he doesn't he was on your list. Now he's not on your list. I guess some some health issues and some performance issues. Why did Emerson Hancock get left off the uh, Baseball America Top 100? Ultimately, what the Top 100 is, is projecting who are the 100 players in the minor leagues who project to have the best major league careers. And right now, Emerson Hancock's shoulder is very worrying whether or not he would cross that threshold. He had multiple starts pushed back throughout the year went on the aisle with shoulder issues, came back, had to go back on the aisle a second time, finished the year injured, only threw 44 and two-thirds innings last year with multiple IL stints, multiple starts pushed back. And when he was on the mound, everything was fine, but evaluators were actually more lukewarm, more so than you might think if you just look at the stat line. And I would always encourage people not to scout the stat line in the minor leagues. Um, the fastball didn't play that well over the plate. The slider was kind of soft. And we see that he averaged less than a strikeout per inning. The walks were elevated a little bit. So there's still promise here. There's still someone who has a chance if he's healthy, you could see becoming a part of the Mariners. But right now, most of the evaluations are back of the rotation or middle reliever setup, which again, you, anytime you have someone who comes up and makes your big league roster and stays on your big league roster, that, that's a win as a prospect, but the front to mid rotation starter projections he had coming out of college evaluators didn't really see that in his first pro year. And that might've been just because he wasn't ever fully healthy, seeing if he can come back, get that shoulder back to hundred percent and stay on the mound next year. That's going to be the key thing to watch for him. If he does and everything comes back like it did, then he'll be right back on the top one. Can I can I argue with a point that you just made? I mean, sure. you're the Baseball America guy. I would say Emerson Hancock coming out of college as the sixth overall pick in the first round. I, I don't know that I'm settling. I'm 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 settling out of court for back end of the rotation. I, I think you say that's a win. Maybe I'm just a little too harsh of a Mariners fan because I'm I'm just so much used to all the winning that they've done here in Seattle all these years. Uh, no, I, I, I think that they were thinking a lot higher on Emerson Hancock than back end of the rotation and maybe a Mariner someday. And there's no question that was the hope when he came out of college. But you look at the 
attrition rate of pitching prospects. And you sort of come to understand that even if a guy might not be what you hoped he was on draft day, if he's in your rotation, giving you solid, consistent innings and the grand scheme of pitching prospects, that's a win. But again, it's not completely out of the question that he comes back next year, his shoulders fully healthy. He stays on the mound, the stuff ticks up. And then all of a sudden we're talking about, uh, again, potentially a front to mid rotation starter. It's just right now, based on everything that happened last year with the injury, based on what scouts saw. Ultimately, he was in consideration for the top 100, but a couple of other players, the reviews were just better. The health was just better. The performance was just better. And ultimately, he was just nudged off. Last question, Kyle. Harry Ford, high schooler, 12th overall pick, high school catcher uh, from Georgia. He uh, hit the ball all over the place as a high schooler. Uh, Some might say, God, he hits the ball too well to be a future catcher. I think he played a few different positions in high school, so you can move him away from uh, behind the plate. How close was Harry Ford to jumping into the top 100? Does he have a shot uh, come midseason or next year? Yeah, he was someone that was definitely in the conversation, and there's no question he's absolutely someone that you can see jumping into the top 100 as he moves into his first full professional season. Played very, very well after he signed in the Arizona Complex League. It was only 19 games. You don't want to go too crazy on it, but you saw the extra base power. He really grew into his home run power toward the end of the season, and he's a good athlete. There's no question he has a very strong chance to stay behind the plate as a catcher. If for whatever reason they want to play him in other positions, he's at athletic enough to do it. So all the tools are in place. When you're talking about domestic U.S. high school catchers, the track record is just so, so, so bad of these guys really turning out into someone that is worthy of top 100 prospect status. When you look back on it from their major league careers, you want to get a little more track record, see him make the jump to full season ball. But if he does what he's expected to, there's no question he has a chance to be on the top 100 and he's on our radars now as is. Okay. Love it. Uh, Baseball America, it's been around for a million years. He hasn't. He's only been around for six years. Baseball America's top 100, uh, sprinkled with Seattle Mariner future stars. Kyle Glazer joining us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Kyle. Great to have you on. I hope you'll do it again sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to join you anytime. Hey, let's get an update from Daniels Broiler CEO Lindsey Schwartz in the new year. Happy New Year, Lindsey. How were the holidays for Daniels Broiler? Happy New Year to you, Mitch. Yeah, the holidays were great. We were super busy. All four restaurants started out Thanksgiving and just kind of went all the way through December. And uh, people were celebrating with us, having a great time. It, it really it really felt like the good old days. So we're grateful for that and uh, and happy to keep it rolling. South Lake Union, Leshy, Bellevue open fully and downtown Seattle what? Downtown Seattle is Tuesday through Saturday evenings in the bar only. And that continues to get busier, too. People are finding their way there in the evenings and and having a good time in our bar. And uh, hopefully that continues to get busier as the year goes on. One of the biggest days traditionally, and we all understand why, for Daniel's broiler, is Valentine's Day. No better place to celebrate Valentine's Day than one of your great locations. This year, it falls on a Monday, and it's weird because Super Bowl Sunday is the day before, right? Yeah, first time ever with the uh, extra game added this year in the NFL. And so we've never been through this before. But uh, yeah, Valentine's Day is always a really busy day. And it's on a Monday, which means it's going to be a really busy weekend. People come in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
Monday. But uh, for those who, who make the Super Bowl a priority, just want to give everybody the heads up. Don't make your dinner reservation <laughs> Sunday night if you'd rather be watching the Super Bowl. The other nights are going to fill up quick, Friday, Saturday, Monday. So, uh, so jump on it. Traditionally, how long do we have until you're booked on actual Valentine's Day, Monday night. How long do we have to make our reservation? I mean, I would say the first couple weeks of the year, traditionally, okay. Valentine's Day reservations are, are booked. Okay, so if you're booked on Monday night when our listeners come to call, then uh, Friday or Saturday night, unless you don't care about the Super Bowl, and then you can do you can do Sunday night. Daniel's Broiler CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. We love Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Alexander Wenberg. Gunn heads the bench. Wenberg finds his way in, sets it up. There's Larson looking, shooting. He scores. Adam Larson. The overtime game-winning goal for the Seattle Kraken in their first trip to Pittsburgh. They win it 2-1. Hey, the NHL All-Star break is just about here, which means after all of the anticipation and the hype, the Seattle Kraken are, what, uh, about 40 games into their inaugural season. My buddy Andy Ide follows it as closely as anyone. NHL.com, the Sound of Hockey podcast, and others. How are you, Andy? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for uh, having me on. Thanks for being back on. Thank goodness for the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who actually beat the Kraken earlier in the year. Uh, otherwise, the Kraken would be the worst that there is. But they've won at the time of this recording. They've won something like four out of the last six, right? Are we surprised yeah. overall, everything into the mix, everything into the blender? Are we surprised at what we've seen this year? I think we're surprised that, that their record is as poor as it is. I think, you know, I, I personally was not expecting them to be a dominant team or even really maybe even be a playoff team. But I didn't think it would be this bad. So uh, it's been a surprise. They are starting to turn it around and, you know, it, we'll see how the second half goes. It could just be, you know, an expansion team, new players thrown together, trying to find their way. Yeah. I'm not going to make it that easy for you, Andy. You know that. <laughs> I know. Uh, are they not good because they don't have enough talent? Are they not good because they don't have enough good coaching? Is it both A and B? Is there a C in there that I don't know about? <clears throat> I think there's a C. I think it's B and C. I think Overall, they're not overly talented. Uh, I think most nights they have a talent deficit against the opponent. Um, they have good players. You know, they're, they're kind of players that you would th think of normally as middle of the lineup players. Yeah. What they're missing is maybe an elite star, especially offensively. They need, they need a, a one or two guys who can take a game over, score some big goals when they need it. And you see that because they'll be in games all season long. They'll have tight games where they're maybe tied going into the third period or just down one. and They just can't get that extra goal while the other team does. And that, to me, is the talent deficit. So I think that's a big thing. And that's not to say that they're all terrible. That, Like I said, they're all just kind of mid-level mid players playing in elevated roles that they normally don't, don't play in. And then the C is the goaltending uh, has been poorer than, than anticipated. Uh, they signed Philip Grubauer from the Colorado Avalanche uh, as a free agent in July, and, and he had coming off a career year. He was a nominated nominee for the Vesna Trophy, which is for goaltender of the season. Yeah, and he just hasn't been good. It's not all his fault, but some of, a lot of it's his fault. <laughs> they, uh, the defense in front of him has uh, struggled to find their way. I think they're starting to, to get it together now. And he actually, as the team has won these games, his last five starts, he's four one and zero, and then has a save percentage up over nine hundred. So he's starting to look like he's figuring it 
it out, and that that'll be big going forward. Uh, it's not going to make it make the playoffs this year if he's good, uh, but it'll it'll help going into next season. When somebody says talent deficit to me, my immediate reaction is okay. Let's talk about the general manager and the building of the team, the expansion draft, the the free agency. Did Ron Francis make mistakes? Or is this just the way it is, the way the cards were handed to the Kraken? I think you could argue that that's a little bit of both. Uh, the cards were were a little stacked against them. Uh, the other teams in the NHL learned from the Vegas experience in 2017. They knew how to better protect their roster. They kind of panicked with Vegas. They they didn't they they made you know interesting choices. They were willing to trade assets to Vegas in order to keep Vegas from taking their their top players. But this year they 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 knew they had a little bit longer to prepare, and they kind of arranged their roster and their salary cap situations to be that if you want that player, go ahead and take him. We're not going to make it worse by giving you extra stuff. So just take that guy. Right. And, and there was a flurry of trades the day before the, the or a couple of days before the trade deadline where teams kind of did some last minute maneuvering to trade a player who maybe was in the crosshairs for being selected. And that way they at least got something back for him. So there, there was a little bit of a limited chance or, or pool that than there was for Vegas. So that was the start of it. But there are three or four players that you could look at that were available that you can say, man, you know, those guys really can score some goals. Maybe that they should have taken them. Uh, but there, there's a, there's a, a you know a, a cost to all that. You know, it's a very tricky puzzle to put together. And if you take one guy, that means you know it might affect some other moves you're going to make. So it's a really tricky proposition. I think Ron Francis's main goal was to come out with a competitive team, but also give himself a lot of room on the salary cap so that he yeah. could in the next year or at the trade deadline add pieces. He did accomplish that. They do have a lot of cap room, and they're going to have more in the offseason. And so, you know, this this roster is going to look different next season. How about trading deadline? Would you expect the Kraken to be selling off pieces who might go? Who's the core of the team if there is such a thing? I guess Jared McCann. Yeah, there's been reports that uh, that Francis has said he's listening to any and all offers, and he should do that. I mean, they theoretically could could trade anything that's not nailed down to the floor. Right. <laughs> I think they will be sellers. I think the main the main target will be Mark Giordano, their defenseman, their captain. He you know he's in his mid thirties. He's in the last year of a pretty big contract. Uh, he would be perfect for a contending team. You know, rent a player. You bring him in for the last couple, uh, you know, the last month or two of the season. He's he's got some skill. You know, he's a good offensive defenseman. He can contribute to the offense. So he'll be the main the main target, mm -hmm. and he'll free up you know six million more dollars on the on the salary cap when, when uh, they either trade him or or keep him and lose him for nothing in the offseason. But he's the main guy. Uh, another guy that I would look at uh, that I think they should trade, even though I like the player, is Carl uh, Yarncruck. Uh, you're probably not going to get a first round or anything like that for him, but you might get a third round, second round, maybe uh, pick for him. Uh, he, he started slow. He had COVID at the start of the season, and that that, that really kind of sunk him at the beginning. He didn't score for the first 12 games or get any kind of points, but he's been on a tear lately, which is only helping Seattle because uh, his trade value is going to go up. He's a veteran player. He's got a track record of scoring goals. So those are the two guys that I think okay. will be probably the most likely to go trade. Uh yeah, and as for the core, you mentioned Jared McCann. He's a guy that that I wouldn't trade. I mean, I, I, that's one I wouldn't really listen to <laughs> any offers on. He's just he's still young. You know, it, hockey's funny. He's been in the league for like five, six years, and he's still only twenty five. So wow. he still has a lot of play ahead of him. He loves it here. He, he's very vocal about how much he's enjoyed being here. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, which means Seattle kind of holds all the cards there. They they own his rights. Uh, yeah, it would take quite a, 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 a set of circumstances to happen for him to just walk. So 
I think he'll he'll be the core they're going to build around. They have other guys who are under contract. You know, Yanni Gord has been good. I can't imagine they would trade him. Uh, Jordan Everly, Jaden Schwartz, who's hurt. Those kind of guys, I think, will stick around. Yeah, I heard some rumbling early on, Andy, about Dave Hackstall, the the coach. Uh, you probably know this. When expansion teams come into you know sports leagues, typically they lose right away. And the mm-hmm. coach, the first coach lasts about two or three years. Then they fire him and they bring in the next guy. <laughs> uh, what's your opinion of the job that he's done and long-term viability for him with the Kraken? I actually think he's done a pretty good job considering the the environment we're in. Like every day he comes to the rink, he doesn't know who's available to his lineup because of COVID. The NHL went through you know, a, a ton of COVID stuff in December as I starting to wane a little bit, but he's had, you know, from game to game, he wouldn't, he would show up and not know uh, who, who, right. who could even play tonight. So that's been a challenge. And he's also had to like throw together this new team that they had some growing pains early, but to me, you know, I always look at how hard a team plays about whether or not they respect the coach. And this team, even in losses, never gives up. They play hard to the very end, the bitter end. Sometimes, you know, there was a game earlier in the year where, where they were down 7 nothing to I Colorado. Was and they, I was there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they scored three goals in the third period. It was garbage time. Yeah. But the crowd went nuts, which was impressive. Yeah. And to a man, the players talked about how much that kind of you know, inspired them. They went, they went on a brief little win streak there. But to me, that shows what they think about their coach. You know, if they if they not if they're not into the coach or they don't think he's doing a good job, they're they're not going to play hard for in those those desperate times. But so I think he's done a pretty good job. I think the jury's a little out because you know just of the circumstances. So I think we'll see. I think next year's going to be a big year for him. Yeah. But I think you're right. If if it doesn't start turning around and they give him more talent and it still doesn't start turning around, then then the seagulls start getting hot on him. Andy, um, let's talk about those fans for a second. Everyone in the region was super excited for obvious reasons. Losing's a bummer. Are we seeing some empty seats? It's very expensive to go to a game. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we seeing empty seats? How long is the honeymoon and, and is the arena the MVP, the true MVP so far this year? Yeah, the arena and the fans that come. The, the, the atmosphere there is a spectacular. And even in that game you went at, which, that, which was a bummer, yeah. the crowd in that third period was incredible. Yeah. I don't know if you stuck around. I wouldn't blame oh, I was you if you didn't. It no, was I was seven there, nothing. right to the end. Right All right. To the very end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The crowd. The crowd was great. I mean, I was kind of surprised. They, I'm like, they scored a goal and the crowd went crazy. I thought this game's over. I mean, it was over for a while, yeah. but uh, every goal got cheered as if it was you know tying tying goal. So they've been great. The uh, the building's been great. Every everybody raves about it. The visiting teams that come in all just like can't believe how good it is. Uh, as far as empty seats, you know, they're sold out. Uh, they sold out every game. Um, the empty seats that you see are the ones in the really rich areas, like the corporate seating. Right. And so I think that is where some people maybe aren't showing up. Right. But if you look in the upper decks, they're packed. The, the, the affordable seats, <laughs> we'll call those, are, are packed. Um, you also had a weird thing where, where people were late to their seats. Like often games would start and the arena would be half empty, but they've now upgraded their uh, pregame show with a, bu- a bunch of lights. And, you know, they have a tentacle that breaks through the ice at the end. And Yeah. I've noticed that that started to get a few more people in their seats at the start of the game. So it just looks better and, and creates a better atmosphere from yeah. the beginning. Where people were, I think people were bitching and moaning at the beginning, the first home game, that there wasn't more of a production. And, yeah. I, guess, and I guess they said that they didn't get to, maybe they didn't get into the arena in time to be able to do all the production elements for the big, uh, the big splashy open. How about, how about Andy, the top two picks? I, I'm reading that they both have had good seasons. One's at Michigan and the other in the WHL. Veneers, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Riker yep. Evans. Both yep. of those guys still were very excited about those guys' future, yes? 
Yeah, absolutely. Matty Beneers is the real deal. Uh, you know, he's playing at Michigan. He's having a great season. He's nominated for the the Hobie Baker Award, which is the the hockey Heisman, we'll call it, um, okay. for college. Uh, he's actually going to go play for Team USA in the Olympics now, uh, which which is rare for a guy his age. Um, not having NHL players there helps, but uh, still a pretty good honor for for a 19 year old. He looks like the real deal. What what I expect with him is that when Michigan is either wins the national championship because they're ranked number one. Or, or loses in the tournament that he will then sign with the Kraken. So we could still see him for the last three or four weeks of the season uh, come and get, get, a, get a, a sneak peek of how he's going to be. Riker Evans, uh, you know, when they drafted him in the second round, a lot of people thought that was a reach. You know, there was a lot of the, the experts online saying, oh, that's a reach. Yeah. But he's been spectacular uh, in the WHL this year, playing for the Regina Pats. Uh, just, you know, he's one, he's a lead, I think he's the leading score, defenseman in scoring in the WHL. He looked really good in training camp when he was here. I think he's got a shot at making the team next year. We'll see. He might start in the AHL and the minors, but I think he'll be in the mix to crack the lineup next year. There's another prospect, their third-round pick, a kid named Ryan Winterton, who I'm really intrigued by. He only played six games last year because of COVID. His league shut down. He played in the U18 championships for Team Canada and got drafted in the third round. And he started this season hurt. But his first game back, he scored a goal and had four assists in the first game. And so he could be a sneaky kind of diamond in the rough they found uh, just because of the situation with COVID that lasted to the third round. Is Beniers good enough to make the team next year right away? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. He would have, I think he would. He could have played this year. Okay. He's that good. Yep. And, and, and cap space is a plus. You mentioned that earlier. We should be viewing this the same way as we view the NFL where Francis now has some room at, at his hands. Hopefully he'll make the right decisions with that cap space. Yeah, I actually I'm looking at their cap space right now. So right now they have 7.4 million available on the on the cap, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And uh, we mentioned Giordano, he's making 6.7. He won't be on the roster next year. So that's gonna go up. They've also got, I think 14 players who are in the last year of their deal. Some of those guys are unrestricted free agents and some are restricted free agents. So. If any of those guys they choose not to bring back, it's just going to free up more space. So uh, if people people like to look at Vegas, and people forget that the Vegas' first year is not the same roster they have now. In fact, there's only like three or four players that are still with Vegas that were there year one. Um, and so that's kind of common in, in, in the in hockey. And the, the, the salary cap is flat. It's going to stay flat again next year, which is going to help the Kraken because they have more money now because right. the other teams right. are more strapped. Right. So they could, you know, the, then, then it becomes picking the right guys. Now, free agency can be a little tricky. Sometimes you pay more than you probably should for some guys. So you got to be careful. You don't want to just throw it all at free agents, but they could be trades. Or, I mean, they could they'll obviously resign some guys and use yep. the crap for that. But yep. I think they're in very good shape to, to turn this team, uh, you know, turn it over pretty quickly. And they'd have the number two overall pick in the uh, Not this year. No, there's a lottery in the NHL, so we don't oh, know yet where they'll be. Oh, boy. Is it but they should be in the top 13 or so because they're oh. not going to make the playoffs. So they'll get a high pick. We will. We, I don't want 13. I mean, only is it, is it ping pong balls? Is it like it's the, ping pong balls? Yeah, based on your uh, your finish. Okay, so they would if the season ended today, which it doesn't, and it's stupid to even talk about. Um, <laughs> they would have the second amount of ping pong balls to the Phoenix Coyotes, right? They would be. They yeah, have the I, second I, best shot at number one overall, or no? I th I think in the, in the Eastern Conference, I think the Ottawa Senators are oh. also below Seattle. So. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, they'd be like they 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 should be in the third position, okay. which you know you got a shot. It's a good draft this year, so even if you end up third, you're gonna be you're gonna be getting a good player. Andy Eyed, we love you, Andy. Thank you so much. I fall backwards in the NHL and hockey, and he catches me from time to time here on Mitch. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thanks for being back on. We appreciate it very much. My pleasure, Mitch. Take it easy. 
When one of the nation's leaders in the mortgage business, cross-country mortgage, wanted to set up shop in Kirkland, they immediately called Mitch Unfiltered sponsor Jordan Flowers and acquired his entire team. So that's the way it's done. And here he is, the former East Lake and Washington State wide receiver, Jay Flo in the house. Hi, Jay Flo. Hey, how are you, Mitch? Mitch Thank the you kid. for the kindness. Mitch, Mitch the, the kid. <laughs> Mitch the kid. The slicker. Oh, I love it. Uh, oh. How would you say the first year is going at cross country? And you've got a lot of news and notes on rates and limits and second homes. Lay that stuff on us. Yes, absolutely. Lots of news coming out. Interest rates are going up to get in front of the inflationary curve that we're all kind of seeing, experiencing, and hearing about in the news. Loan limits have gone up to 647000 nationally for a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac back loan. So anybody looking to buy a home in the 700000 range is looking yeah. at three to 5% down at this point, hoping to make home ownership more possible. And there are a lot of good estimations as far as even your home values increasing this year from the National Mortgage Bankers Association, five, six, 10% again in this market based it, off supply and demand. Jordan, if our homeowners are like me, they auto pay their mortgage every month and hardly ever take a look at their interest rates and opportunities to save money. So let's say I'm in year eight of a 30-year fix. I've got great credit. My rate's 4.5%. All right, I want to stay in a 30-year. What can a seven-minute call with either you or a member of your team yield me? Yes, well, we can yield you several hundred dollars a month in savings, yeah. depending on what you want to do. If it's a 30-year fix you're looking for, rates are still much lower than 4.5. If you're looking at a 20-year, we can shorten the term and still save you two, three, dollars $400 a month, potentially. So we would look at 15, 20, 25, and 30-year options for you based on what your ultimate goals are. Phone number to reach you? 425-890-2957. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Give them a call. See what Jordan Flowers' team can do for you. If the answer is nothing, you're only out seven minutes. That's not a lot. We love Cross Country Mortgage. We love Jordan Flowers. Great sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Three interviews in the books, episode 176, the other stuff segment with Hot Shots. You're not going to believe what I want to lead off with. Terrell Brown Jr. at UW. Oh, my God. How about that? What a crazy story. Do people know that? Okay, so he, this guy, he's going off. Yeah. And by the way. Well, he's a really good player. Okay, so he went to Garfield. Went to Garfield. And then he went to Shoreline Community College. Shoreline Community College. And then he goes to Seattle U for a couple years. Where I first saw him play, I think I saw him in high school. He must have played in a high school game because I used to go to see Garfield play every okay. once in a while. I probably saw him play in high school. But where I first really recall was, you're gonna not even going to believe this, Seattle University went to Syracuse to play an early really? season non I swear <laughs> on my life. Okay. Unless I'm hallucinating. Right. Oh, that was a dream. Forget it. Check Seattle that. University went to Syracuse and played an early season, one of these kind of pay-to-play pay to sure. games, non-conference games, and played them pretty tough. Syracuse won, but this guy on Seattle University, yeah. he, he probably went for like 30. <laughs> right. I was like, I wonder who this guy is. And then I look it up and he went to Garfield High School. Right. Crazy. That's so, the first. That's the first I heard of him, and then he went to. Then he goes to Arizona, Arizona for a year, right? And then he comes back home. And he for comes back one home. more year at UW. He's averaging twenty-one point seven points a game. 
And by the way, do you he's remember- the leading scorer in the Pac-12. He's one of the leading candidates for Pac-12 Player of the Year. Crazy. He might be even be in the NBA someday. And he was not good enough to go anywhere outside of Shoreline Community <laughs> College out of Garfield. Right? Could have been great. Yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But remember back in the fall when we we wanted to really lump Mike Hopkins and Jimmy Lake together? Yes. Everyone was. It's a mess over at Montlake. Just well, blow yeah. them both out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, slowly but surely, eleven and eight for the Huskies, but they're six and three in Pac-12. You can call it what you want. It's not a disaster. It's not Jimmy. It Lake. was a disaster. Okay, but it's not. But it's not anymore. Yes. Yeah, it's not. Yes. And we kept trying, not me, you guys kept trying to lump <laughs> both those coaches together as it, well, we got to just blow uh, it up over there at Mon Lake. God. But they're 6-3 and three in Pac-12. It's pretty come impressive. Al- they, they've come alive. They, they come have. Alive. Double overtime win over Utah over the weekend. Yeah. They play, uh, I think, in the Bay Area this week. I think you're right. I think we're going to have... An old friend on episode 177. Everybody's oh, been asking for him. Yeah. Can we get an old friend back now that they're winning games and talk about Terrell sure, Burton and so I forth? Think we so should. I think we're going to have an old friend on episode 170. But I'm glad you brought that up. That wasn't even in my notes. But yes, awesome. they're all of a sudden winning games. Fun. And I'm this- not sure they're beating anybody because I'm not sure there's anybody in the Pac-12. <laughs> I think they got their ass kicked by like Oregon and the good teams. But I don't know, ass kicked, but yeah. Oh, like 16, yeah, yeah, 15. I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. Nonetheless... Could you imagine they win the Pac-12 tournament and, and go to the tur- NCAA tournament? It yeah. could happen. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Should we mention Tom Brady in the other stuff segment or not? I mean, what is he get, retired? Are we going to do not? 45 minutes on his career? I mean, no, no, but we can do three. Yeah. I don't know if he's retired. Is he? I mean, his dad said no. What happens now? What if, if he's retired, what happens now? What becomes of Tom Brady? He doesn't become like an announcer, does he? Not going to go like into a studio or become Tony Romo or do that. I don't He's know. probably too big for that, isn't he? Like Michael Jordan never did that. Yeah. Tiger Woods never did that. There's the there's the one guy in each sport that's so super big that he even transcends TV. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he becomes an owner. Maybe he invests in a team. Maybe he invests in a business. Do we ever hear from is he going to be out and about? Is he going to be yeah. I mean what what becomes of Tom Brady after he retires? Well, we know that there's a new Tom Brady. It's definitely a new Tom Brady. So maybe maybe we'll see him out and about or I was surprised to see his old teammate on the sideline as an assistant coach. Um Edelman, no, um the guy that played on the receiver on the Broncos, little short white dude who was really good. Oh yeah, Wes Welker. Yeah, I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. hey, there's, oh, yeah, there's Wes Welker. Yeah, yeah, great possession. So will Tom Brady ever get into coaching, you think, or no? I mean, he's yeah. too big. I think is he? I look at him like as an owner. More okay. like I could see him being Michael Jordan. And I bring up Michael Jordan because I wonder who was bigger, who 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 had a better career in their sport, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan? Well, I think it's Michael Jordan. You do? I mean, it's it's almost not a fair fight though because did Tom Brady dominate the game the way Jordan did? No, but there's 22 people on the field at the you know. As opposed to 10. It's it's almost not a fair comparison. I think you could say that Tom Brady dominated more than Michael Jordan did. You think so? When you do the conversion of what a quarterback does yeah. with a 22-man team or a 22-starter team yeah. versus one out of five, like you say. When you do, I think, the conversion of what kind of significance one man in the NFL can have versus one out of five in the NBA. It might, I mean, he was the 199th pick. Love that picture of him at the combine. I don't know if you've seen it. He won seven rings. He sure did. How many did Michael wear? Where? Five, six. five or six. Yeah. 15 pro bowls in 22 years. Now here's where Michael's got him. I think three MVPs. I think Michael's got more than three MVPs. 
Well, if there's only a way to find out. Yeah, I think there's something called the intranet. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, he's got three MVPs, but how about this? How about this? Tom Brady, number one in passing yards, number one in passing completions, number one in TDs, number one in postseason wins, number one in postseason yards, and number one in postseason touchdowns. It's a, a an absolute statistical clean sweep. And what's interesting about that, Hotshot, yep. is that seven years ago, and I say seven, I could say six or eight. It's not seven, seven. But everyone will remember this. There was a time in Tom Brady's career where we were having the conversation of, well, he's going to be the most decorated of all quarterbacks when he retire, but he won't have any of the records. So we're going to wonder whether what's more important. Tom Brady's going to have oh. more rings and MVPs than everybody else, even though he doesn't have the records that Drew Brees. As it turns out, he's got both. Right. He, he, he stayed around long enough and had, forget stayed around long enough. That's actually unfair. The guy led the league in passing this year. Crazy. His 44th year on this earth. Yeah. He had over 5,000 yards passing. I mean, it's not like he stayed around and accumulated records. He he produced to, to the, if he's retiring right now, he produced to the very last day. God love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was not really producing towards the end there. Is he's, I don't think he was. Is he but shuffling I, he up was. the court? Maybe you know? he was. Yeah. I mean, but anyway, it's a I don't know. foregone conclusion that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Oh, yeah. Not even close. Right? Not even close. Okay. How about the greatest player of all time? Like, let's before Tom Brady, who who does everyone say is the greatest football player ever? I feel like there's a name that comes up often. I would say Jerry Rice. Well, Jerry Rice's name comes up more than anybody else's yeah. because he's the most clear cut at his position. Like, if you went position by position in the NFL, you would debate each and every position for a few minutes before you might arrive at a conclusion. Right. You would spend eight seconds on wide receiver. That's true. Yes. You would literally spend as much time as it takes <laughs> right. to say Jerry Rice, and then you'd move on because right. there's really no discussion. And that's why I think people think of him as the greatest football okay. player, some people. But I don't know that I do. Running back would take you eight hours to discuss that. Like, if you said to me, Mitch, you said to me, Mitch, who was a better football player? Who was a better NFL player? Without looking at numbers or anything, just your memory of the two men. Lawrence Taylor or Jerry Rice, I'd say Lawrence Taylor. Hmm. I think Lawrence Taylor was a better football player than Jerry Rice. I mean, I guess when you say who's the greatest outside linebacker, that'd be another eight Now, you might, th you might throw at me, but look at these numbers and yeah. compare to other receivers and linebackers and sacks and tackles. I don't know. Just the eye test. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Jerry Rice is one of the top five players of all time. I don't know that I think I don't know that I don't think that Lawrence Taylor was even a better player than Jerry hmm. Rice. But you know that's so subjective. Yeah, maybe right. ten people nobody would say Lawrence Taylor. I just remember Lawrence Taylor as being the greatest game changer that I had ever seen. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. That's right. right. So is Tom so, Brady the greatest football player? He has to be, right? I with think it? he is. Yeah, he has to be. I think he is. Whether you like him or not, it's not. It's neither. Here I like nor him there. a lot more now <laughs> than I did five years ago. But yes, yeah. I think he's the good. Yeah. Michael Jordan, five MVPs. Five MVPs for Michael Jordan. That's that was pretty good. How many rings? Six. Yeah, I should look right because he did this. Remember, he kept yeah, on doing this I with the he, ball. Yeah, I think he had he the ball six. and he needed two hands. Yeah, to do his six. I think it's six. Okay, all right. Anyway, uh, is it my turn or your turn? We just did Tom Brady, so go ahead. I mean, I don't know. We just both took turns on that. The Peyton Manning Saturday Night Live appearance. I loved it, and I honestly can relate to that a little bit. Because sometimes I don't watch sports like people think I might, or that I nobody thinks. You 
know, like my like my friends. Nobody thinks you do. Yeah, I, I could see me getting sucked into a show and like not watching a Husky game or something. So I kind of related to that. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very good too. You liked it too. It's funny because I don't want to like Peyton Manning. Why not? See, I don't I, know. I've always liked him. I don't know. There's something about him that I like. Yeah, he's he's, he's not he's unlikable. Goofy. He's goofy. That's fine, but doesn't yeah, make good. him unlikable. Yeah, it was good. He's it was funny. Good. I don't think his show on Monday nights opposite of the football game is that good. That's Maybe that's the problem. Well, yeah, you and I talked about it. We think I he think ne- it's okay. He needs a producer. He, I, it's I, a little I, clunky. I think every once in a while, we get pressured into loving something. That everybody's got to love something. Oh, and All the time. The press just started to roll on him in, his first, in their first go-around, him and Eli, and everybody loved it. It was like, it was like gauche. To not like it. Like right. nobody not like it. It was like you could throw, get be thrown out of the country right. for not liking that Monday night thing. And I never liked it. I, I mean, I, I didn't not like it. I just never thought it was as good as everybody thought it was. That's yeah. all. I never really. It was okay. Some of it was funny. Some of it wasn't. Yeah. A lot of it was uncomfortable and awkward. The communication back and forth, one guy in one place, the the, the, the guest, the game and, going yeah. on. It, it was, it it's was, clunky. it was a little, yeah, it was yeah. a little rough for me. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it's Saturday Night Live. If you, so if you haven't seen the Saturday Night Live, <laughs> it was Saturday, this past Saturday night, Peyton Manning, a, um, what would you call it? A weekend update contributor. Yep. They bring him in to do a weekend update yeah. uh, contribution. To talk football. I mean, he's talk the football, football. guy. I mean, yeah. Who knows more about football yes. than him? And it's very funny. You should watch it. Who Can- wrote it? Who wrote the sketch? He didn't write it. Uh, no, he's not right. Somebody that. wrote that for him. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you think he's a writer now? No. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot of things. I don't think he's a writer. Okay. Can, can I make a complaint about SNL real quick that yeah, drives sure, me freaking nuts? Please. Now, you watch it every week, I assume. Every- I, I haven't watched it this year a lot, but typically I do. Okay, yes. well, you're familiar with Colin Jost. I am. People love Colin Jost. Okay. he's Because he's married... To Scarlett Johansson. Yes. We've all now decided he's a sex symbol. I haven't decided that. When when they <laughs> when they first go to Colin Jost, hey everybody, yeah. I'm Colin Jost. Yeah. The amount of applause and screams, and you can tell he's yeah. getting a little embarrassed. Yeah. Because his can, wife is Scarlett. Can, he's not that good looking. That's what I'm about. He's just an ordinary looking dude. If he worked on Wall Street, he'd probably do fine for himself with the ladies. He's funny. Now he's a right. sex symbol because he's with Scarlett Johansson, and this all just okay. comes from jealousy. I'm can sorry. I uh, can I tell you what I don't like about this is? <laughs> can I tell you what I don't like about Saturday Night Live? Yes. And you're gonna see that you're gonna call me the most random, weird human being that to even notice what I'm gonna tell you. Okay. You know what bothers me about Saturday Night Live? Oh, when they come on the first skit after the news, the first. Opening, whatever they call that, the skit that comes on, the first time Saturday Night Live comes on. Okay. What do they call that? The opening number? Yeah, what do the they cold call open. The cold open. Right. You know what bothers me about the cold open? What? You go back and watch. There's a little laughter before it even comes on. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. It, it's like fades from black, and there's they, they put in this little... You're right. Everybody, like the audience laughing, and we haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, it's like it's, a, it's like a third of a second. Go back and watch it. Yeah. It tries me. I don't know why I noticed it <laughs> and why it bothers me. It's like a half a second of studio laughter. You're right. As they, as they fade from black into the show. Yep. Am I wrong about no, that? No, you're totally right. I know, ex- okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And by the way, while we're on bitching about SNL, which we both love, yes. why do they have to scream live from New York? Why can't they just say it? They Every week it gets more and more ramped yeah, up. Because it's a thing. Live from New York! Yeah, it's a thing. Just say it. It's a thing. I guess it's a yeah. thing. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. All right, you're going to love this story. I know it. A single page of artwork from a 1984 Spider-Man comic book 
I already lost Mitch. Sold at auction Thursday for $3.36 million. A page out of a comic book for over $3 million. Now, the artwork from page 25 from Marvel Comics Secret Wars number 8, which you already know, brings the first appearance of Spidey's black suit. And also, you know, that's the suit that would eventually lead to the emergence of the character Venom. $3.36 million mm. for a page mm. from a comic book. Wake me up when it's over. <laughs> Nerds are running the planet and get used to it. It's tough to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Okay. It's been tough for a lot of years. It was really easy to be a Miami Dolphins fan when Dan Marino was oh, in his prime. When I'm a kid, the Dolphins were awesome. I'm Very up here in easy. Seattle, and I'm like, these Dolphins are great. Very easy yeah. in those days. Duper and Clayton. In the last 20 years, essentially, yeah. it has been really difficult to be a Dolphins fan. Okay? Yep. Do I need to wake up on AFC Championship Sunday to the Ian Rappaport... Do they have to, like, kick me in the groin? Do I have to see a report? Tell me how irrelevant this report is, okay? Here's what the report was. Insiders have told me. This is Ian Rappaport. You know, NFL insider. Oh, sure, NFL. yeah. Sources have said that the Miami Dolphins in 2020 offered the Cincinnati Bengals their three first-round draft choices, including number five overall, number 18, and number 30, and other players and draft choices for the number one pick to pick Joey Burrow, but the Bengals turned it down. Oh, who the hell can Do I have to hear that? <laughs> How is that news? It's 2022. Right. Just because the guy happens to be playing in the AFC Championship game? Yeah. Who cares? Are we saying that the Dolphins were the only team that wanted the number one pick to pick Joey Burrow? <laughs> That's right. They're the only ones who why? want pick. Sources tell me why. <laughs> why do I need this two years later? I don't need this. No, that's that just. This stings. is like just spit in my face as a Dolphins <laughs> fan. Like, who cares? On a daily basis, it happens, doesn't it? For Why Dolphins do I fans, need to know yeah. that? Why do I need to know that in January of 2022? That two years ago, the <laughs> Dolphins called the Bengals, which, by the way, everybody probably called the Bengals, right. but the Dolphins had three drafts. Remember, they had the three, we, oh, yeah. two, uh, whatever. That they offered the three first rounders and other picks and players and and the and 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 even the reporter said even Rappaport said and the Bengals never even considered it. Right. Okay, then why is it a story? <laughs> why do I need to know right. this? It would be a bigger story if if the God Dolphins. God Almighty! If Cincinnati wanted to do it and the Dolphins said no, right. that that would be a story, right? I had the, to get that off my chest. Thank you. I'm I'm glad you did. God. Yeah. How, how would Joe Burrow look down there? <sighs> yeah. Would you stop? <laughs> All right. Real quick update on Charlene Rubush. The, the, the answer is really good. Yeah, he sure would, wouldn't he? Really good to Jalen Waddle. Okay, go ahead. Charlene, the lady who got the brand new Audi Q3. Yes. Has officially got her car, so now we can oh. all sleep. Remember the woman from, from uh, Wheel of Fortune? Wheel of Fortune who got jobbed, right. Jobbed. Yes, and so a local dealership came up, and she officially has her $40,000 uh, okay. car. So they, they came through. We can all sleep now. Josh McDaniels is the new uh, head coach for the Vegas Raiders. Nathaniel Hackett from the Green Bay. He was the offensive coordinator for, for Aaron Rodgers. He's now the new uh, head coach of the Broncos. The Dolphins and other teams are still looking for head coaches. I have an RIP. Yeah, I got a couple. So why don't you, uh, if you have anything left, we can that, do that and then go to the RIPs. All right. Well, yeah, I got a few. The Rob Riggle stuff. Do we need to get it? It's so, no, I don't know the Rob Riggle stuff. It's insane. Maybe what I'll happened? save it. Okay. You want me to get into no, it? No, no. Save it for the next for the next show. It's about. It's just an ugly divorce. That's just oh, like. We and, don't need to hear. But that. it involves spy cameras and loads of cash, and 
he has to sweep his house for bugs because of his ex-wife. Uh, I, I don't need to hear that. But it's pretty cool. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Austin Safarian Jenkins. It's not a good story, but he was what arrested. Uh, well, he was arrested for Remember misdemeanor. Tight end and? Yeah. Tight end and? At University of Washington, tight end and? You play basketball? He sure did. That's right. Yeah, that's two right. Two sports star. Yeah, Austin yeah. Safarian Jenkins. Well, maybe not. Two, store, two sports star, but he played for Lorenzo Romar. But go ahead. Yeah. He was arrested for misdemeanor assault and felony harassment on Friday in Washington State. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. 29-year-old second-round pick was booked into a county jail around 9 I'm o'clock. And uh, the details surrounding the arrest are currently unclear, but he's had some other issues yes, in the has. past. So I hope Drink, he, He's had some drinking issues. I think I, uh, he was busted at least three times for yeah. DUI, so I hope he uh, ah. gets the help that he needs. Uh. I remember him, Gas and I were broadcasting live from Husky Stadium. Yeah. Austin Tacoma was... Tacoma kid, right? Like, Gig, Gig Harbor? Like Gig Harbor, yeah, across the yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's a senior in high school. Yeah. And he comes over to our table and says, hey... Super nice. It, it couldn't have been nicer. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm having my press conference to announce where I'm going. You guys should come over. And I was like, well, it's Gig Harbor. I mean, I'm not... <laughs> hey, hey. Is that on a Friday? I'm like, come on, man. I'm not doing... But, you know, he couldn't have been nicer. And then and then he goes to UW, and he's great. He, I mean, he, like, lived up to I the remember. Hype. I remember interviewing him either in high school or early in his University of Washington career on KJR, and I remember being struck by how nice of a young man he was. Yeah, very so nice. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that he's run into problems. Me too. Really sorry to hear that. All right, here's a little happier story. The good folks over at the Crazy Horse Three Gentlemen's Club in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, good folks. The customers can now pay for their dances with Bitcoin. <laughs> and they're the only clubs, one of the clubs in the strip oh, where you geez. can use the digital currency for adult entertainment. They're, they're actually... They think they're cool because, you know, because of COVID, you don't have to touch money or anything. Yeah, you just use yeah. Bitcoin. And I'm thinking, I think COVID is the eighth worst virus in that place that you have to worry about. I mean, we're worried about COVID at a strip club. I mean, come and on. by the way, why does it have to be Bitcoin to not have to touch money? Can't you do your credit card? Can't you do Apple Pay? Aren't there a lot of other yeah, ways right. to, yeah, to pay without using money? We really need Bitcoin to not have to touch dollar bills? Yeah, I mean, there's I, a lot of ways we could do this without Bitcoin. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. A lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. just a marketing scheme. Yeah. All right, here is a good a good news story. Pennsylvania, they got themselves on Mitch Unfiltered. They sure did. It's very worth it. Yeah. The Pennsylvania hockey team's teddy bear toss event set a new record when fans tossed 52,000 stuffed bears oh onto the ice. Really? But the good news is, is that all these bears um, that are collected, they're distributed to more than 25 local organizations for kids. Nice, so nice. there's a good story for you. How about nice, that? Nice. Major League Baseball, they're going to start using robot umpires for the 2022 AAA season. Robot umpires. Moving one step closer to eventually... A lot an, of people have been pushing for this for a long time. The automated strike zone. Automated strike zone. It's like we either have a strike zone or we don't. Yeah. Right? I mean, don't we all kind of know where it is? And like when they show you the replay of all the pitches and that little, you know, the nine boxes and yeah, where it... Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you like the human element of it, or do you think there should be a cut and dried? I don't know that I have a huge opinion either way, but I will tell you that you watch enough baseball, you watch enough umpires, and they all have a different strike zone. It's which, weird. I, it doesn't that which doesn't make sense. the The strike zone has been clearly defined. Whatever it is, knees to the whatever it is. Yeah. I guess it's the way the the umpire stoops or how high he is. Or how inside, where he sets up. Yeah. Is he inside the catcher? Is he outside? Is he high? Is he low? But you watch enough baseball games and you see different strike zones every night. And that's why they want to do this. But some people, I think, might like that. Okay. The way all the ballparks are different. different. Yeah. You okay. Know, I can, I, yeah, it's old-fashioned. I like old-fashioned. Yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's it's sort of the charm of baseball where it's okay. all different. 
I don't really Keep have a strong opinion either. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there clearly is a strike zone. So. Do you ever watch the tennis matches? Do, Do I you ever watch, watch tennis anymore? Mm, rare. I, I got, you know they can challenge now. I got into Do you know there's replay on, on tennis? Oh, there is. Yeah, they have these, like, little computerized cameras where you can see where the ball hit, if it hit the line or if it's just outside. You don't know that? No. Players can now challenge. Wow. And I thought at the very beginning when that was instituted as an old little, I was a little tennis player as a kid. Yeah. I used to, I, I thought this is the world's worst idea. <laughs> why? 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 First of all, we don't even need umpires. We called them on ourselves when we were playing as high school. Right. Yeah. Out. Call your own. What do you mean it was out? It's out. <laughs> um, and now they have computerized and beeps and did it touch the net? Did it not? So I guess we'll get used to it if they come with yeah. with umpires. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious. I mean, Triple A. I thought I was going to read they're doing it in like the rookie league or sit. They could do it in Triple A. Triple A, yeah, but who cares? Yeah, but it's still that's yeah, they're pretty high. Ready. They're getting it they're ready. They're getting it ready, they're it feels ready. like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no question. All right, we ready for RIPs? Yeah, I've got one. Okay, Peter Robbins? No. The voice behind Charlie oh, Brown. Yes, I know that he passed away. I read yeah, that. Yeah, took yeah. his own life, unfortunately. That's what his agent says. Yeah. Checked himself into a mental uh, hospital in California shortly after Christmas. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he began voice acting for Charlie Brown in 1963. So he's the voice you hear when you watch yes. all those Charlie Brown specials. And yes. I know he's lived a bit of a troubled life. So. Has he? Yeah. He's Charlie had, Brown or this guy? Well, Charlie Brown especially. The guy hadn't grown hair his entire <laughs> life. He got two strands that Lucy keeps pulling the ball away uh, from him. Yeah. The, the, somehow the neighbors all colluded to give the kid rocks on Halloween. Like, what a bunch of shitty neighbors to come together and say, He's that had kid a tough right, go. Charlie's had a tough he's go. He's had a tough go. Yeah. We're making jokes, but, you know, yeah. RIP to Peter Robbins. Yeah. He, big part of a lot of people's childhoods, sure. that voice, sure. you know. Sure, I can hear it. Yeah. And then you're RIP. Yeah. Howard Hessman? Got it. Yep. Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP in Cincinnati, which I loved as a kid. Yeah. But I think I even loved more. Maybe not. Do you remember a show called Head of the Class? Sure. Oh, I liked it. Head of the Class. Oh, yeah. He was the teacher. Who was one of the students in Head of the Class? I can picture the kind of she heavy was guy. Very, no. I'm talking. Well, you can picture the guy with the, the really nerdy guy with the glasses. Him, but he there was, was also, the main guy. But there was know? a heavy fella, too, I think. I think there was a. Yeah. There's always a heavy fella. You got to have a fat guy. Yeah. That's why I look like I do. But there was another gal that made her. This was kind That's of her question. entree into television. That's a good question. And she parlayed it into some, some real soap opera-ish life choices. Really? Yes. Like Heather Locklear? She became Mrs. Mike Tyson. Oh, Robin Givens. I knew that. Robin Givens was that. the head of the class. She sure was. And Howard Hessman was the uh, Hessman was the, the teacher and yep. head of the class. Went for about five years, I think, in the 1980s and 90s. Yeah, and he was also a radio DJ in real life in the 60s. You know where he's from? I don't. Out of? Howard Hessman out of? The University of Oregon. Oh, that's right. He is from Oregon. He's an Oregonian, and that's he went right. to the University of Oregon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was also on Bob Newhart, Mary yeah. Hart, which is one of those actors. And he was in Police Academy 2. Yes, he was. He, he yeah. was in Heat, Gridlocked about yeah. Schmidt, yeah. Halloween 2, the right. He was in lots of stuff. So 81 years old, colon surgery, complications from colon surgery, yeah. passed away, I think, on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. There's something kind of weird about the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl. And, then and what is that? The WKRP in Cincinnati oh, guy, you know? Think about that. Yeah, there's yeah. something kind of... I don't know what it is, but there's something there, isn't there? Yeah. Something kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Nope. All right. I got some headlines for you. A, sure. A drug suspect found with fentanyl and a bag of hypodermic needles told Florida police that he used... The... Uh, 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 that was a 2021 uh, 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 thing. Uh, 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 uh. Was, you have not he made a mandate. He told what police? You haven't made a mandate for this year. Just put Iowa in there. 
Just well, start, they, start over and put Iowa in there. Give me another state that has like ocean and beaches and stuff. Okay. Um, See, it's, but it's not going to work. It's, it's, yes, it's going to work. Louisiana. A drug suspect found with <laughs> fentanyl and a bag of hypodermic needles told Louisiana police <laughs> that he used the syringes for fishing. When police asked where the man got the needles, he replied, sorry, but haven't you ever been on a beach in Louisiana? There's no shortage of syringes there. It's funnier in Florida. All right. Firefighters in Georgia rescued a deer that became entangled Georgia. in a soccer goal net. The poor deer was exhausted but uninjured and was easily the most exciting part of the soccer game. Now I get emails from soccer people. Very sensey poo. Soccer people are very sensey poo. You're taking shots. YouTuber Alex Birkin has won a Guinness World Record for creating the first working retractable lightsaber. What? What's next for young Alex? Loneliness. A 50-year-old Iranian man broke an unusual Guinness World Record by balancing 85 spoons in various locations on his body. Oh. Although now he's a world record holder, he says he'll continue his job at the ice cream parlor. John Hawkins III, 36, oh. was arrested and accused of stealing approximately 100 pair of women's underpants and bras uh -oh. from the Shady Acres mobile home. What? Yes. Now, look, <laughs> it's not my place to tell people how to do their job. But is the Shady Acres trailer park really your move when you're stealing women's <laughs> undergarments? For some reason, it feels like you could do better. And finally, yes. Barry Bonds was not voted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in his no, he final wasn't. year on the no, ballot. No, he wasn't. But don't worry about Barry's self-esteem. He's already got a big head. Episode. <laughs> do people know that his head's enormous or no? People know. Okay. And when you do the spoon story, yeah. why is it that I think of that halftime show in the NBA arenas? She went back and forth. She was on this, she was on this like unicycle and she had like You talk about the plates. The plates. The plates lady, <laughs> the best. It's the greatest halftime act. She had like bowls stacked oh. over on her forehead. Oh, and bowls too. It was the greatest oh. halftime act ever. It was, it's on like the you fact know that what I'm she, talking about. The fact that she's not a billionaire. <laughs> like talent doesn't doesn't translate to money all the time, does it? Yes, ask your buddies, the, the brothers, that do YouTube. Yeah, the Pauls. Yes. Yeah, the, the, she's like the most talented human on earth. She had like 40 bowls up on her on her head, and she's on a unicycle. It's crazy. A unicycle way up in the air, and she would somehow like kick him off of her foot and catch him on her head. It's crazy. And then shit spinning. <laughs> and That was the greatest part of the Sonics game sometimes. And, and, and for whatever reason, when you did the spoon story, <laughs> yeah. that's the first thing that I thought of. This is we how... And can they stop doing the little chuckling at the beginning of Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I've got to get to the bottom of Do that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and uh, I'm wondering if... They've been doing it for years. I'm wondering I if... I pointed... And it's, it's one of these things that I point out to Sharon and the boys yeah. when they're up watching it. And they're like, we know, Dad. We got it, Dad. <laughs> we, you've told us before. They put in a little bit of chuckling yeah. as they fade from black. I don't get that. Ask my wife. Obviously, there's some sort of psycho psychology to that mm. where they think they get to start laughing yeah. early. Like a warm-up act. Yeah, like something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ask my wife about um, them yelling live from New York, and I'll get the same responses. <laughs> we, I know. I got it, buddy. I've heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. All right. 176? Yes, sir. In the books.